You're listening to Feral Attraction. Hosted by Metrico and Vera the Science Collie. On this week's show, we open with a discussion of cuckolding brought to you by Ojoy Sextoy. Our main topic is sexual etiquette. What are the do's and don'ts when you're doing the deed? We close out the show with a question on ending a relationship when more is at stake than just romance. Hello again and welcome to Feral Attraction. I'm Metrico. And I'm Vero the Science Collie. So, Vero, um, I guess a little bit of back, you know, behind the scenes, you know, behind the curtains news. Um, this is your birthday, so happy birthday. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, Metrico. I do appreciate the birthday wishes. It is, in fact, my welping day. So, yes, I'm now 29, which is, I don't want to think about that as in dog years, but we'll we'll let that go. <laughs> dad. Um, I'm yeah, apparently a um, lich at this point. I think that's how that works. <laughs> Oh, so this is your lich sona? This is my lich like, sona, yes. I'm a dog lich. That's, that's kind of cool. What would your phylactery be, you think? Probably, I don't, hmm, probably like a, a tennis ball. It's got to be a tennis ball. <laughs> probably. Probably. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Um, don't, no, 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 everyone's going to go looking for my tennis ball to like destroy me or, or know my true name or something. Is that how that works? I don't, I don't really know. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I don't know if it's the real name. I think well, maybe it is the real name. I think it's the real name of the phylactery. But like, I guess like the moral of the story is, if you're looking for Vero's balls, um, just go to his After Dark account. Um, oh, panda, terrible. But that's mm. that's true. But today, um, fun topic. I, this is one that is kind of um, near and dear to my heart because I have some experience with it, and it's actually a really misunderstood kink. I think so. I think it's really cool that OJ Sex Toy a little bit ago did a little bit of an expose comic talking about this one and that is uh cuckolding they actually i think call it what the fuck is a cuck or something like that which kind of yeah, what which, what the fuck's a cuck yeah which, yeah which is pretty clever i think um but yeah it's a really misunderstood kink i think unfortunately it has a lot of race racial overtones because what a lot of pornography of it happens to be um the backstory there is there's a lot of cuckold pornography that features like black men like taking power from white men by screwing white women and so there's a there's this overtone that's kind of in heterosexual cuckolding has been um a kind of an overtone for a while but cuckolding has really gotten a lot um broader than that and it's gotten a lot of penetration uh into the lgbt community as well so i think now there, there's a lot more people who are queer who are doing cuckolding and there's a lot more kind of uh, exploring around the fringe of cuckolding with other related kinks like hot husbanding and hot wiping, uh, which is kind of like cuckolding light. Um, and I'll explain the difference between the two of those in a minute. Um, but the the comic's really great, and I, I encourage you to check it out at ojoysextoy.com, uh, which is ojoysextoy.com slash cuckolding. And we will also link to that in our show notes. But essentially what they do is they, they kind of go through this example couple, which is a heterosexual couple, and they explain some of the terminology by, by bringing you through this comic. So then you through this couple, and they say, this is a guy who comes into our relationship, and he's just really... And they, they kind of make it a little bit stereotypical, which is a little bit uh, unlike OJ Sex Toy, because usually they try to subvert um, stereotypes when they're doing their comics. And this is, I think, my one uh, criticism of this particular OJ Sex Toy comic, is they went super stereotypical because they made the bull, which is the person who comes into an existing relationship uh, in a cuckolding scenario... Uh, they made this guy super alpha masculine, like super buff, like he's like this super stereotypical, like this is what true masculinity looks like, dude. And uh, so that's, I mean, that is very stereotypical for a bull. But basically, 
the idea with cuckolding is you've got this strong alpha figure who comes in and takes away your partner from you and does things with them in front of you, you oftentimes while humiliating you and talking about how superior they are, sometimes with your partner joining in and also telling them how superior they are relative to you. And for people who enjoy this kink, that's sexually pleasurable for both the person who is basically having the um, having the affair that is approved, sanctioned affair, that partner who's um, basically often called the hot wife or the hot husband, and the person who is being cuckolded, who is the cuck, that's the person who's not involved in the sexual scene directly, but is being humiliated. And then there's the bull. That's the person who comes into the relationship as a third who takes control of the submissive partner away from the cuck. So that's kind of, those are the roles that, that tend to be in cuckolding. And again, I mentioned there's a, diff, a slightly related kink called hot wifing. And that is essentially cuckolding light. That involves the exact same players, except the difference is the bull doesn't humiliate the cuck. In that situation, the, the, the bull and the cuck are actually seen as egalitarian to each other. So the cuckold doesn't really call himself a cuckold. They just, they're just the partner. And then the hot wife or the hot husband is the person who is being traded off to a new partner. And it's basically just the person who's not having sex experiencing compersion by watching their partner have sex. So it's more of a voyeuristic, more of a compersionate kink, but there's not so much arousal from the humiliation of the, of the fact that they're being replaced or the fact that they're inferior. Whereas cuckolding then adds that extra dimension of there being a bit of a power exchange where the bull is dominant to both the cuck and the submissive who's being fucked. And in that situation, the cuck is actually getting off on the humiliation aspect as well and the being put down by the bull. So it's a bit more of an, I would say, a bit more of an emotionally extreme, harder to handle kink. It is very emotionally demanding on the cuck to be able to actually get through that kind of scene and enjoy it without um, being very emotionally depleted at the end of it. It's kind of a, it's one of those kinks that actually requires a ton of aftercare, both for the submissive and for the cuck, because the cuck is actually in the more, most submissive role in the scene, even though they're not actually getting penetrated. It's a weird situation where the cuck is actually the most submissive person in the scene, right? So that's, um, they need a lot of aftercare. And so it's a very emotionally demanding kink to pull off and requires a lot of communication, a lot of boundary setting, oftentimes a lot of working your way up to it. Usually people progress through a stage of swinging or hot wifing or hot husbanding before they go all the way into cuckolding because it's such an emotionally demanding kink. It can result in a lot of uh, jealousy and hurt feelings if it's not done within everybody's boundaries and what everybody thinks is, is okay and the way they want to be doing it. So um, it can be a lot of fun. Um, I actually have experience with it, surprisingly, in pretty much every single role in the, in the kink. Um, I don't enjoy being the cuck very much at all. Uh, my, for myself, it doesn't actually arouse me whatsoever. I don't like being humiliated. It's actually a turnoff. But I am the type of person who is very GGG. And for a partner who is really into cuckolding, I'm willing to role play being a cuck in order to make my partner happy because I, I enjoy compersion. And so I'm, I'm willing to assume a submissive role in role play and role play being a cuck in order to make um, my partner happy and, and maybe make a bull happy as well if the bull is someone who I like and appreciate. Um, but I'm not actually getting off on humiliation. I'm just kind of playing along. It's not something that's actually arousing to me. So I'm not really a true cuck because a true cuck would actually be aroused by that. I'm not. Um, but I do enjoy the other roles very much. So I really enjoy the voyeurism of um, being uh, of hot wifing my partner or hot husbanding my partner. I really enjoy arranging for my partners to have sex with other people and, and setting that up. And, and that part I really do enjoy. That's very fun. And there could be a lot of camaraderie with 
sharing a submissive with another dom. That's a lot of fun. There's a lot of camaraderie between doms that can happen in that situation. So that hot wife thing's super fun. And I would also say that I have a lot of experience and it's a lot of fun being a bull. So the bull coming into an existing relationship and getting to kind of exercise pretty much all of your dominant juices at once in two different contexts, because you're basically showboating, you're showing off for someone, you are performing really well for someone who's really getting off on, on, on your performance. And you're also replacing someone and getting to show someone up and getting to, and having that person basically worship you for doing that. So it's a really fun role uh, to be in if you're a dominant. Uh, but again, the problem with being in that role is you have to be really careful that you're not actually hurting anyone because if you take it too far, you say the wrong thing, you step on the wrong insecurity. Sometimes what starts out as being a really fun, hot scene where everybody's enjoying themselves then turns into a scene where suddenly the cock is crying and thinks the relationship's over and the submissive feels like they're getting emotional whiplash because they were having a lot of fun and suddenly they feel like they've just totally betrayed their spouse. And you can you can suddenly be in a real train wreck of an emotional situation if you don't stick to the script or don't stay within the boundaries that everybody's cool with. And sometimes that happens even if you do stick to the script because what people think their boundaries are aren't actually what the real boundaries are and you accidentally trip, slip on a landmine. And so if you're willing to be the bull, you got to be prepared for the worst case scenario and think about what am I going to do when everything explodes? How am I going to save the day? What am I going to do? How am I going to comfort the cock? How am I going to reassure them that I don't actually think that I'm superior? How am I going to you know, how am I going to, de- how am I going to deescalate the situation? So be prepared to think about what would I do in that situation if everything blows up because it does happen. Even if you're with somebody who you've done cuckold scenes with 20 times before that 21st time you hit some weird random insecurity and things go crazy. So like just, it's, it can be, it's a really fun kink, but it's also a really emotionally explosive kink. So just be super careful about it. It's one of those things like it's kind of the emotional equivalent of edge play for me, where it's like, it's one of those things where if you don't do it really carefully and with a lot of practice and training, you can really hurt yourself. So it's like breath play or edge play. It's the emotional equivalent of breath play. That's how I like to think of cuckolding. And if you're someone who has a lot of emotional intelligence and knows yourself really well and can get into it, that's awesome. But it's one of those things that you have to be at the varsity level where you're emotionally intelligent and know yourself and know your limits and know exactly what's going to set you off, know your triggers, know how to avoid them, know how to work through it if you are triggered emotionally by something. Because if you aren't in that at that level, you're setting yourself up for a really explosive situation, and that's not going to be very fun for anybody in the scene at that point. So just um, be very careful of that. The last thing I'll say on cuckolding is make sure that it's consensual. So <laughs> cuckolding requires the enthusiastic consent of all parties involved. What that means is for it to be a true cuckold scene, the cuck the bull, and the hot wife or hot husband. They all need to be on board and loving it and and enjoying themselves. If anyone is doing it against their will or doing it kind of not not enthusiastically, you're setting yourself up for resentment. And so don't do that. (laughs) Don't do do an involuntary cuckold scene. If you're making your partner be a cuck and they don't want to be a cuck, you're basically emotionally abusing them. <laughs> That's actually what it is because you're humiliating someone who doesn't want to be humiliated. That's emotional abuse. So that's not okay. So that's really unethical to do. So don't don't uh, non-consensually cuckold someone. That's actually really abusive to do to a partner. So if, you, if that's someone you love, it's not something you should be doing to someone you love. So think about that. Think about what you're doing to your partner when you do these things. And if that's not so, if humiliation is not a kink they have and they don't enjoy being humiliated, then maybe what would be appropriate for you is some hot wife scenes or something of that nature where the humiliation is left out of it. 
but you cannot be involuntarily cuckolding somebody because that's really emotionally abusive. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Michiko? Well, one of the reasons that I'll say interest in cuckolding has sort of come into um, the forefront of discussion is uh, a lot of the alt-right in recent months, um, especially leading up to the 2016 election here in the States, started using the word cuck. As you would bring kind up the, the political st- connotations, Metrica. That, that is a very you thing to bring up. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's important because... <laughs> it is, yeah, it's totally relevant. I'm glad you brought it up. I, I kind of forgot to, to address that whatsoever. That's kind of the background for why this comic even exists, right? Yeah, it's because a lot of people were asking, what is a cuck? And what's kind of funny is this group was kind of using it in this sort of weird way um, where their idea of being like a political cuckold is you vote for somebody, you invite some political figure in your life that is going to harm you, but you do it because it's the only thing that you know, or it's the only thing that you think is going to bring you pleasure. Whereas or a real inviting out- a political party to fuck you over and humiliate you. That's basically why you're a cuck, right? Because you're inviting yeah. someone over to fuck you over and humiliate you. Yeah. Whereas like a real alpha man is going to vote for somebody. And it, 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 it's, it's the, the issue is, is that, I mean, that's, that's, a very drastic perversion of what it actually is um, to, to say, you know, the, the, the bare minimum of it. And what ended up happening for some people is uh, I mean, people who were actual cuckolds started getting um, slut shamed or kink shamed because that's something that they do because it brings satisfaction and fulfillment to their relationships. And so, I mean, I think it's a good comic. It's definitely a very difficult sort of kink to bring up because much like, you know, BDSM in general, there's many different ways to practice it. And no one way is the right way. And it's it's important to kind of understand that this is high level kink. Like this is one of the higher levels because it's not something that can really be fully lifestyled 100% of the time. It's not kind of like a total power exchange dynamic. But in terms of emotional demands, I think it's right up there with total power exchange as being one of the most emotionally demanding kinks to practice. So you have to like, it is, it's really like, it it does require a lot of emotional intelligence. And that's why I don't, I'm not being shy about saying that you need to be really put a lot of thought to it. And there needs to be a lot of run up to it. It's not one of those kinks you like, Hey, let's try cuckolding today. Right. Like that's not a good way to do this. Right. Absolutely. It's something that you definitely want to do your research. You might speak with, um, couples that are comfortable with talking about their, their cuckold lifestyles, you might, you know, because the issue when you do a lot of research on it on your own, if you're looking up like cuckolding on the internet as kind of an academic exercise, you do run into a lot of racist shit and that's unfortunate. But for a lot of people, the idea of race, especially in America, sort of is this taboo and the idea of having you know, a black bull take away your, you know, white hot spouse is something that turns on a lot of guys. Um, and there's, there's certainly a racial component to their practice, but I would say that that's maybe not the best way to practice it. It's, it's cuckolding does come in many shapes and many different colors. The one way I would say that, and I think maybe the positive spin to put on the, um, kind of the racial overtones there is I think there is a hidden compliment to African American men in that, kink which is that african-american men are really sexy and really hot and really like there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of like looking at the african-american males being an alpha 
male or being a truer, more kind of primal in a, in, a, in a positive way, like man, right? More manly. And so I think there's a compliment hidden in there in that message. But unfortunately, it, there's a lot of race, racial overtones of that somehow being less civilized um, that get tossed in with that, right? And so that I think that's the problem. <laughs> and obviously, there's nothing uncivilized about being a bull, right? I mean, to an extent, yes, I still think that it's inherently racist on many levels, because I mean, the, the idea behind a cuckolding relationship is that not everybody is interchangeable. So if you kind of boil that down to that element, like, you know, you're looking for somebody primal, ah, black person, you know, that that's, that's inherently racist, right? It's the same way you might objectify a trans individual as being, oh, I need a dick with a, I need a chick with a dick, right? Like that's, you know, I think that it's that same I, level of objectification. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, same level of objectification. That's the problem. Right. Right. So that then that's the thing. Like a lot of the the sources and information you'll find online fall in line with that racist objectification, as opposed to the fact that hey, this is somebody that my wife and I are really into, and that that's really cool for both of us. So it's important to find good sources of information that don't sort of put this kind of racist overtone to cuckolding because, and it's also important to note that cuckolding isn't just a straight thing. It isn't a queer thing. It isn't just a BDSM thing. Again, it comes in many different shapes and sizes and colors and variants. And what works for your next door neighbors may not work for you. So it's something that everybody has to communicate with and everybody has to be on board with, especially during the initial stages. Um, like you were saying, there's a lot of aftercare that is involved and there's a lot of adjustment that's involved. And I would say even more so at the beginning when everybody's sort of settling into those roles, because when, when you think about cuckolding, you know, it is incredibly emotionally, it's an emotionally vulnerable place for really everybody to be put into. It's, I mean, you might think that the bull is the one that's getting away with the most, but the bull has a lot to lose. Like he has sexual gratification that he gets from fucking the hot spouse and also the potential humiliation that he, you know, maybe he has that humiliation drive that he's going to get. Right. So, I mean, but there's a lot of responsibility there as well. And there's a lot that can go wrong. So there's also a lot of stress and anxiety that the bull is likely to experience because of that. Right. Right. So everybody has a lot to lose in the context of the relationship. So it's really important for everybody to sort of be on the same page. So discussion, 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 communication, 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 and stability in your relationship. Make what sure, I would recommend. Make sure you select an ethical bull because a bull who actually wants to break up your relationship can be very toxic as well. That's another thing point that I wanted to make is bull selection is really important. Make sure your bull is yeah, a big guy. <laughs> and, it, and it's good to set like the expectations and boundaries at the beginning. If you want a bull that plays a part in your life outside of the cuckolding scenes. then that's one thing. But if you just kind of want somebody that acts more like a professional that, you know, comes and cucks and fucks and, you know, hits the door, then that's another thing. So I mean, you're what you're a lo- sex worker to do that, frankly, because that you're kind of, yeah. at that point, you're, you're objectifying that person to the point where maybe that should be actually a transactional relationship, right? Yeah, more than likely. And, you know, Something that I would recommend, if you're interested in the the idea of cuckolding, what you might try doing with your hot spouse if you're the cuck, or if you're the hot spouse and your your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever they might be, is 
the potential cock, maybe get some perfume or some cologne that's different from what they're used to. And you can come up with these elaborate stories. Let's say he goes off to work or goes out shopping or goes away for a weekend. They come back and you're wearing somebody else's cologne, somebody else's scent. You can sort of weave the story of how you fucked some guy or, you know, fucked some girl. And, you know, you can weave that sort of tale and allow for the role play to sort of take hold and see how everybody reacts. how everybody feels if there's feelings of guilt, if there's feelings of betrayal. And you can work through that on a role play level, as long as, of course, everybody understands before it happens that it's role play. And you know what, Metrico, that's such a great idea. I've done this, and this is actually one of the things that I recommend, too. I think eventually we might actually, I'm going to put a pin in this, we should probably just do a full show on hot hot wifing and, and cuckolding. And, uh, but I will reveal one yeah, more sure. tip right here. But uh, mine is that it's really hot if you're, in a, if you're into gay cuckolding to um, get on Grinder and find guys who you can actually do an ARP or P with and get them to send you pics and work out an elaborate scene with them as if you were cuckolding your partner. You can be a dom and say, hey, I have a partner back home who's really into cuckolding. Would you, you mind if I dom you in, like in RP and we'll, we will trade picks? I'm not actually going to come over, but we're going to talk about the scene as if I was going to come over and do this. And you then get a really hot RP with that person. And then you have all the picks and all the story and all the context to then go to your partner who's the cuck and tell them that you actually did this. And then you have all the pictures and all the evidence and you can give them this really elaborate story and you know get your partner off on this story. And assuming everything goes well, and then at the end of it, after everyone's finished, you're like, oh, by the way, I didn't actually do that. That was just, I just had this, I do this in RP. And then they'll probably be like, oh my gosh, that's so hot. But like, I can't, I thought you actually did that. And that's, you know, but you, you reveal it after everyone's finished, right? That's, that's a fun way of testing the waters. And then if anyone has an emotional crash or there's something that goes wrong, you're like, oh, by the, hey, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It, it didn't actually happen. It didn't actually happen. It was just an RP. Like, you know, and so you've got this really great way of just, of, of having a fallback escape hatch if it, if they're not actually into it, into it they thought they would be. So it's a great way of testing the water before going the full-on actual cuckolding. Another point to bring up is there's two ways of practicing cuckolding, right? There's, I'm going to go away and do something with somebody and then come back and tell you about it. And there's, I'm going to do something with somebody while you're watching or while you're tied up and watching or something like that, right? So there's also kind of live cuckolding and there's remote cuckolding. And there's kind of two different headspaces you get into with those. I mean- so I think we were, this is actually a great topic for a full show. We should do a full show on this Metrico. I mean, I push back a little bit on that and say there's more ways that you can practice it, but let's oh, save that for the full there's, show. There's two main, there's two, those are yeah. two. There's, there's many different it. ways. Yeah, sure. Of course. But let's put a cuck. <laughs> let's put a pin in that. And we really should. the big takeaway for main cuck holding. On to. Really the main point for cuck holding, you know, if you're having sex with somebody and your partner doesn't know, that's not ethical cuckolding. That's you cheating. have to get consent. Um, if you don't, congratulations, you're cheating. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that's very important to say. Like, you you might be unethically cucking your, your spouse, which, in other words, is called being, you know, unfaithful or cheating or breaking the terms of your relationship. So make sure you communicate. They make sure you have that conversation to set up the scene, to set everything up. We're going to come back to this because clearly we have a lot to say about it. And if we stay here, Indeed. we're just going to keep talking about it. It's, it's just, just going to become the main topic. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do so, a main topic without having channels to support it. So we should come back and do this again. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back a, to that. This is a preview of our, uh, apparently our full show on cuckold in which we will do at a later date. <laughs>
which which congratulations a little bit more behind the the scenes you're kind of seeing how we formulate this show topics <laughs> it's 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 very weird like you'll see the show notes and i'm not editing them the only note concerning this topic is a link to the to the damn comic and we've been talking a lot <laughs> about this yeah that's the thing it's like that's kind of the, <laughs> pulling back the veil on the show for everybody but like you're like wow you guys are so Everything you say is so well researched and prepared. Like, not actually, we just talk out of our asses every every episode. But we it just seems that way because we're kind of well read to begin with. I, you, I, I know we're, that's that's a bit facetious. We actually do do research for the show. But yeah, the point I, is, like for this this last topic, like we didn't do any research for talking about cuckolding, right? We just talked about it. So, like, we actually do. Yeah, we randomly do this sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't do any specific research for cuckolding for this episode, but I have done research for it, which is the same as you, and you've also exactly. practiced it. Right. And I mean, like, we, like we have real life experience. We have the research behind it, so that's kind of how we're able to. Stop. I, 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 I would say we're pulling it out of our ass. I would of say the, the the discussion is a little bit more free form, right? Than but we would just, probably. Have. The research wasn't for the show. It's just I've read yeah. up on cuckolding because I participated in it. And don't want to don't want to suck at it. So things that I do that I don't want to suck at, I know about, and so I can talk about them. That's kind of how things work, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's. <laughs> Yeah, or or you're just me, and I I I find reading and researching about kinks to be fun, even if I Same. don't necessarily well, enjoy them. I'm just I'm like, ooh, sure, tell me. I'm pretty sure we both have that particular meta kink <laughs> because we have oh my God. together, you know. Okay, so like, okay, so we're just gonna push away for a second. Like, I, you know, something that I struggle with is sometimes my friends will talk about, yeah, I'm kind of interested in this, like. Um, I'm really interested in like role play and I'm just like, tell me everything you're interested about. And I realize how creepy that must sound to people because I'm like, I want to know everything that you do. And I'm just like, at certain points, I'm like, okay, we're going to, I say that and I'm like, wait, no, stop. Like, maybe you don't actually do that. <laughs> when you're a dom, they let you do it. <laughs> oh my God. Because Jesus <laughs> Christ. Ugh. Uh, no, but seriously, I, I love asking subs to tell me what their darkest kinks are. I'm pulling them out of them because theoretically, if they're being submissive to me, they can't actually deny me that information. So it's really fun to be able to pull out people's most embarrassing. But my friends aren't in a DS relationship with me, Vera. <laughs> well, pretty much everyone I talk to kind of ends up in a minor one with me just because, I don't know, I have this effect on people. People just like telling me about, I don't know, I, it's just a thing that happens. So people like telling me what they're, what they're into. And so I, I enjoy pulling it out of people. It's fun. Yeah, I, I did have a weird party experience where it ended up with me and like two couples in the backyard drinking beer and me explaining how like how to, how to do like rope play. And I'm just like, how did my life become this? Um, <laughs> I so, know. Yeah, both, uh, of us, both of us have like gotten this weird thing going on. It's, I don't know. We're both kind of still adjusting to that aspect of you know, people knowing us for this now, but whatever. It is it is very bizarre at times, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's cool. It's a weird, it's a weird kind of like party trick that you can pull out. Some people pull out the guitar and play Wonderwall. I'm just like, let Hi, me I'm tell you about sex ethical sex. sex. Yeah, like, I'm really <laughs> on sex and relationships. Hello. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's it's like two lies and like one truth or whatever. Like two truths and one lie, I think, <laughs> is the icebreaker. And it's just like, like uh, yeah, we started the show. We thought no one would listen to, and we were totally wrong about that. So anyway, now we we keep doing it, and it's fun. Yeah. It's a good joy. Speaking of people that listen to the show. So I had a few conversations with people uh, because another way that I source topics is people talk to me 
and they ask questions. And I'm like, that's actually a really good question. And rather than answering it to you now, I will answer it in two months when we get to it. Um, no, it's, it's, um, I get to, well, I, I promise it's that's, a little bit more timely. Very, that's a little blunt, but also kind of accurate. Yeah. We have, we have a bit of a backlog, which is again, pulling back the curtain. That's why we're doing an all question show next week, but we'll announce that officially at the end of the show. Yeah. So, um, one of the questions that I got was, uh, from my friend Friday and he was more like, Hey, have you guys done a show on like sexual etiquette? And I, I was a little bit confused. And like, what do you mean by that? Like we've, we've had shows on like, how to have like your first time, like anal prep, things like that. He's like, no, like best practices for sex in general. And I had to look and I'm like, actually, no. So which is kind of surprising. That's kind of a, that's kind of a bit of a myth on our part. You think we would have covered like actual, like how do you do the sex? But yeah, that's a massive oversight. And I was like, shit. (laughs) So, um, I, I cancel Thanksgiving and we are doing this on Vera's birthday. Um, as punishment, it, 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 this is actually a fun topic, though. So, it's actually a pretty good birthday present. So, I'm, I'm enjoying yeah. it. Well, so, we're a bit punchy well, today because it's my birthday, so it's it's fun. So, what we what what the what the basis of his question was was, you know, what are things that what are best practices that people should think about? Because when you look at Cosmopolitan or you know, any kind of dollar magazine or, you know, shop checkout aisle magazine. And you see the flashy articles that are like five tricks to blow his mind. They're, they're very quite often like really out there and they're not really that practical. I mean, there's of course the popular internet meme where it's like lightly microwave, like a grapefruit and then use it to jerk him off. That's grapefruiting, honey. Like, you know, um, well, they, or they, are, they describe the penis like it's some kind of exotic animal, and it's kind of silly, right? Like they make yeah. it, they make it very silly. So, or like for men's health, it's like they don't fucking know what a vulva is. <laughs> like they're they're like, the vulva. It's one letter away from being a Volkswagen, and it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, get another pair of abs, and then she'll like you. Do the dishes. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I take a little bit of issue with that. And what I wanted to kind of go are things that are not gender exclusive because i know on this show oftentimes things like anal tend to be more for males um especially well, the fandom we, where we tend and we'll cop to this we, we're, we do have a slightly uh homosexual skew because i'm homo flexible and you are homosexual i think so i mean there there is naturally gonna be a bit of a skew but i i obviously have experience with women and we also are friends with lesbians so we try to incorporate multiple perspectives into the show and we also have no trans individuals any sexuals and we try to incorporate lots of perspectives when we can but we we we're mostly going to default to our own perspective because naturally i mean we have our own voice that's how that works right right and so i mean yeah we do cop to that but this one i want it to be a little bit more general because I mean, really, when you get down to it, sex is sex, and regardless of what goes where and who does what, there there are similar mechanics all across the board, and there are specific things that you should be doing and things that you really shouldn't be doing, and just standard best practices, whether you're interested in men and women and non-binary, whatever you know your sexuality might be. Um, there, there are things that you can do in order to make yourself more of a generous lover, both in terms of the actual action 
of sex, but also in how you sort of set the scene, so to say. So sexual etiquette, it sounds kind of boring. I, I went to etiquette classes when I was a young child because I was kind of a heathen and they taught me how to drink tea. Um, like it was straight up, like full on miss manners etiquette. This is not going to be this boring. I promise. Um, so, but I'm going to break that immediately um, on my first point, um, because it's a point that I, I, I always like to talk about, um, because there's been some weird pushback, uh, from different groups concerning this. So in terms of sexual etiquette, 101, enthusiastic consent is super sexy. It is sexy. It is A plus turn on 100%. General rule of thumb about enthusiastic consent and why it is sexy is your partner can't give you what you don't ask. If you don't ask for something, they can't give it to you. And if you take it from them, you're stealing it from them. That's kind of the way it works. Now, if you are in an established long-term relationship with someone, if you've been fuck buddies with them, if you've been married to them, if you've been dating for a long period of time, there might be ways that you address enthusiastic consent in a nonverbal way. You might take nonverbal cues. But right. standing consent is a thing like, hey, it's cool if I molest you when you're sleeping, right? Because like that's something we married couples often do. It's kind of just assumed that's a standing level of consent, that I can go up and grope someone who I'm married to, or I can go up and sneak up behind a boyfriend mm-hmm. and, you know, goose their butt. And it's not, that's, there's no, I don't have to yeah. say, Hey, please, sir, may I goose your butt? That's not, yeah. that's not a reasonable expectation. Right. So, and also in certain very kink friendly spaces, like for example, a sex party or something like that, groping and touching a certain, a certain level might be the expectation of the scene that is going on that you're walking into. And in that case, walking into the scene is a form of consent, right? Exactly. But, yeah. Like, yeah. But, that being said, that's literally the only situations in which consent should ever be really truly nonverbal. Is if you really know the person and you have a very strong reason to believe that they are definitely going to be cool with it, or because you've pre-negotiated that, or because the the situation you are in is a very kink-heavy space that has basically a very well delineated area of the sexual things are happening here. If you go into the space, expect these things to happen to you. That is a thing that exists at parties, right? So be aware of that. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of how consent works, right? So ethical, enthusiastic consent is super important. Don't break it. And if somebody ever ever gives you any kind of a no or a negative feedback, they're pulling away from you. They seem uncomfortable. Don't just ignore that. Don't just think, oh well, if, if they really wanted me to stop, they'd say no. No, absolutely not. If somebody is giving you any form of negative feedback, you absolutely pay attention. And then that's when you go for the verbal, right? If somebody's mm-hmm. giving you negative yes. feedback, you need to say, is this okay? Is what I'm doing okay? If you don't ask that question when somebody's giving you negative phys- negative feedback of some kind, you are at that point transitioning into becoming a sexual abuser. So yes. don't do that shit. Yeah, exactly. If standing consent really only works in a long-term relationship, if you and your spouse, your partner, your lover, your mate, whatever you want to call them, under have the ability and the the freedom to say no. Like if if you feel you can't say no, you can't really have standing consent. So there has to be that ability. And again, it doesn't have to be verbal. If you pull away, that's a no. And then, as Vera said, it transitions to that verbal question. Enthusiastic consent is sexy. We're not mind readers. And if I'm fucking somebody for the first time, I'm going to ask them, 
hey, is it okay if I do this? Hey, are there things you want to do? You set up kind of a scene. You do a little bit of pre-negotiation to learn what they are looking for, what they're not looking for. That way, everybody kind of gets what they want. And of course, in the heat of the moment, things may change. A yes may become a no. A no may become a yes. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. When I'm with a new uh-huh. partner, I do a lot of things non-verbally, but my attention is laser lock focused on their face. I'm monitoring their face for any sign of anything that looks like a negative emotion, right? I'm monitoring them so carefully to make sure that I'm using my, my empathy skills, right? In that situation. But I'm assiduously monitoring that person to ensure that they are having a good time. If I detect anything that looks even remotely like a negative emotion in that person, I am immediately asking them verbally, is this okay with you? Am I doing something you don't like? What can I do that would make you happier, right? That's immediately a question I'm asking. It's okay to rely. I think this is something that people often, this is where the enthusiastic consent argument really ends up being is people think, Enthusiastic consent means I have to stop what I'm doing and ask in like a really nerdy voice, hello, is it okay if I place my hand on your genitals, right? That's not what enthusiastic consent is. Yeah. (laughs) Enthusiastic consent is monitoring the person you're with and making sure that they are giving you positive feedback, whether that's verbal or nonverbal, that you are getting consistently positive feedback. And if that feedback ever transitions into being something other than consistently positive, then you should be verbally checking in with that person. That's basically the rule for me. That's how I look at it. I think that's a reasonable expectation. And then if verbally, you're getting a, I'm not so into this, that doesn't mean, well, they didn't say no, so I can keep going. That means I need to stop what I'm doing and figure out what's okay with this person before I continue, because otherwise I'm sexually assaulting this person. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So, so get enthusiastic consent. That doesn't mean you have to bring a stack of waivers that everybody signs and you call on a public notary. I know people like to use that as an example. I've seen it on like South Park and everybody's like, oh, well, look, PC culture is so stupid. Enthusiastic consent is nice and verbal. It's nice. It can be verbal and physical. You should get verbal enthusiastic consent really the first time you're with somebody. And as you build up a relationship, you can transition into the physical, but then default to verbal if there is confusion. Here's the deal with consent. If you do not ask and you do not receive, you do not get to be disappointed. That's if you don't ask for something for Christmas and you don't get it for Christmas, that's your own damn fault. If you don't get something during sexy times because you didn't ask for it, it's your own damn fault. Consent makes sure people get what they want. And if you don't get it, then that's just how it happens. Right. You might that, want that, that, that's actually a, kind of a sex etiquette thing that comes up a lot of cons of people being really butthurt and bitter that, oh, so-and-so didn't read my mind that I wanted them to come fuck me at this con, and so now I'm going to be angry at them. It kind of applies in a lot of different sexual contexts, right? When you don't ask for things and you don't get them, it doesn't make sense to resent the person for not yeah. getting the thing that you asked for, right? That you didn't I ask mean, for, rather. Some people need, like, air traffic control to be like, yo, <laughs> over here. But like at the same time, enthusiastic consent is not harassing somebody. It isn't wearing somebody down to the point where they will say yes, just to be like, whatever, this guy's been annoying me for two months, asking yeah. twice a day. Yeah, we a difference. into sex is not cool. That's another thing that's yeah. very important. And frankly, there's been a lot of issues with consent in the news lately of very powerful people essentially wheedling people into wearing them down to saying yes. And that's no longer consent, right? That's not, that's not proper consent because at that point, it's not enthusiastic. Enthusiastic consent yes. is I want this, right? Not, not I, well, geez, I'm gonna I better do this or you're never gonna stop bothering me. That's not or, consent. That's not consent, yeah, or, right? That's why we say yeah. enthusiastic consent, because consent by itself is doesn't communicate enough of the concept. Enthusiastic consent means the other person legitimately needs to want it, or it's not shouldn't be happening, right? Yeah. It's I mean it, 
standard consent is more transactional. That becomes like sex as a transaction, which, you know, whatever. But when it comes to especially like levels of power, like if my boss were to tell me, if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to fire you. Chances are I would have sex with that hypothetical boss, but it would not be like enthusiastic. It would be more like, oh, my fucking God, which that's that's very different than me taking a business trip with my boss, falling in love with my boss and initiating a a consensual sexual relationship with my boss because I enthusiastically wanted it. Right. That's a very different situation. Yeah. And I mean, that's really a lot of what we're seeing, like men in power abusing their position of authority, abusing their leverage to get what they want. And that's not enthusiastic consent. That is sexual assault. And that's really the end of that story. Um, and for the record, because people have asked me, um, I don't care who is a sexual abuser. I don't care where they lie politically. I don't care if they're gay. I don't care if they're straight. We should pursue people in order to kind of clean house in order to hold people accountable. It doesn't matter if I'm a Democrat and they're a Democrat. So I should be, no, 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 honey. You don't want people that are abusers to, to be in charge. You want to have ethical people in charge. Like we have enough abusers in office. We need to get rid of the abusers. We, we don't need to have people that, that are actors that we look up to, and just say, oh, well, you know, I really liked his performance in House of Cards, so I'm going to give Kevin Spacey a pat. No, 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 no. We need to be kind of firm on this because we've allowed this to happen for a long time. And a lot of people, a lot of young individuals, a lot of women, a lot of people who are in positions of inequity have been taken advantage of. And we really need to work on that. So enthusiastic consent is critical. Get it, get it, get it. It doesn't matter if you think they're going to be okay with it. Make sure you get it. Get the enthusiastic consent. It's super important because it makes things easier and sexier. Trust me, it makes it a lot sexier if everybody's really into it. That's really where the sexy part comes in. Because if one person's really not into it, but they're just kind of begrudgingly going along because they're... They're in a position of fear. They're in a position of, oh God, this guy again, if I don't give him sex, he's just going to bother me for the rest of the con. The more enthusiastic your partner is about having sex with you, the better the sex is going to be. It's not a bit, it's, 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 it's not rocket surgery here. So get enthusiastic consent. That That's really it. With longstanding partners, the version of consent of the enthusiastic consent might change, but you're still getting it. And if somebody says no, respect the no. They don't need to justify the no. If somebody doesn't want to do something, they don't need to give you a copy of War and Peace. They don't need to write a fucking dissertation on why they don't want to suck your dick. So they're, they're no is, file, they don't have to file paperwork to explain themselves. They can just say no, and that should be enough yeah. for you, right? And if you can't accept no as an answer, do not have sex, period. That's it. If you cannot accept somebody telling you no, you should not be having sex and you should be working on yourself because I'm sorry to tell you, you have problems that need to be resolved before you bring other people into your life. If you can't right. hearing, no, no. hearing no, I don't want to fuck you shouldn't be such an invalidating thing for you that that's an intolerable experience for you emotionally, right? Yeah. If you experience a rejection like that, it's so intolerably invalidating that you just lose your mind. 
you aren't quite ready to be pursuing people sexually. That's basically what it comes down to, right? Exactly. So if you do not ask, they're not giving you anything, you're taking it away from them. And that's not cool. Enthusiastic consent is super sexy. I've written articles about it. I've spoken about it on other shows. I feel like every Both time of I can't. are passionate advocates for enthusiastic consent, right? I think because it's yeah. like it's such a misunderstood concept and it's so hugely important. So I think and that's why we're taking a long time to talk about it, but it's a really important part of the sexual etiquette story, right? Yeah. So sexual etiquette 101, the first step, enthusiastic consent. Congratulations. You have it. Great job. You can then proceed to sex. What happens? So you have enthusiastic consent. We're going to kind of put a little bit of a furry spin on some things because this is a furry show. God damn it. So it is indeed. One of the, one of the, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that's really super duper important is you want to take care of other people's belongings. Um, so some people wear nice things, nice watches, jewelry. They fur have suits. nice shirts, fur suits, especially if, <laughs> There's this big trope about, I want to rip your clothes. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Like, yeah, that's really cute and hot and sexy and something that can be pre-negotiated and both of you can get really cheap clothing to role play that scene <laughs> out. But if you are so desperate to have sex that you have to rip up somebody's clothing that you take off their smartwatch and you throw it across the room and you break it, uh-uh. Like you need to tend to your own garden for a few minutes, like, and calm it down a second. So it can be easy in the heat of the moment to like give into that carnal sort of sensation, but that's a scene that you need to pre-negotiate and everybody needs to come in with the understanding. I will say this. um, When I was having sex with somebody many, many years ago, they took off my glasses and threw them across the room and they broke. And I couldn't see for about a week until I got them replaced. That was not a fun week for me. Not cool. So so don't do that. Don't damage people's belongings. If they're in a fursuit, dear God, make sure you have that conversation with them ahead of time. What positions are good? What should I not do? Should I not grab onto certain areas? Another important question, right? Like, yes. Yeah. So definitely ask those questions. Ask those questions. Take care of other people's belongings and also take care of your belongings. You know, remove rings and jewelry that might dangle. Things like necklaces can sometimes get in the way or be pulled and hurt you. Earrings can get ripped off if things get a little bit too passionate. There's uh, something watches and other things like uh, like charms and things like that. Uh, or if you're in the rave scene. Um, you know, anything, any kind of jewelry you're wearing around your wrists, um, that stuff can all be very dangerous during sex, actually. So be careful to take that stuff off. Don't, yeah. don't wear your rave gear to the bedroom or you're, you're end up actually injuring your partner. Speaking of rave gear, things like candy bracelets, pacifiers, um, you want to avoid putting like small choking hazards into your mouth during sex because sometimes you sort of lose momentary control of how your body works, especially if somebody's hitting that sweet, sweet spot. So you don't want your, your sex scene to turn into like a crime scene. So, you know, it's, if, if you're into, you know, the plur lifestyle, maybe consider taking off the accoutrement, so to say, um, when it comes to the bedroom, I want to say this, there is something sexy about 
kind of slowly taking off your clothes, doing a little bit of a strip tease, or maybe having them do it for you, kind of getting yourself situated and feeling nice in order to have sex. And you can make that sort of a nice, sexy thing. It can be playful. It can be flirty. It can be fun. You don't have to like stand at opposite corners across the bed, you know, okay, well, I got to fold my jeans now and, you know, oh God, are there hanger? You don't have to go completely balls out, walls out. But what you can do is treat each other's property with respect. And if you're going to take off your clothes, might as well do it in a fun, sexy way that acts as a sort of mental, visual form of foreplay. So don't be afraid to do that. Also, it really helps. And this is just personal story for me. Like if you put everything on one spot, because like, There's nothing worse than like having to do like the awkward post sex, like fumble around the bed and like pulling up mattresses and covers looking for like your underwear. Like, yeah. So, you know, putting everything on one spot can be really helpful. Um, And, and, you know, having discussions. That's great. It's a great tip. Cause I actually, this is my experience all the time. It's a really awkward thing to have happen, especially if you're in a rush at the end. It's like, crap, our clothes exploded everywhere. Who's like, whose stuff is this? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if it's an, um, if you're in an orgy, it's, the more partners you have, the worse this problem gets. It's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like an end times end problem, where it's like the number of people you have and the clothes exploding. It becomes very quickly almost impossible to find your underwear in that situation. So definitely keep your own items together if you do choose to disrobe in that situation, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, all of this, you know, taking care of belongings, this goes especially well with things like kink gear, bondage gear, anything of that nature, make sure that if you're borrowing it from somebody, you're not using it in a way that's not intended, or you're, you at least understand how to use the equipment. Don't also use make the, sure that, that you know exactly which fluids you're allowed to get on their equipment and which fluids yes. you aren't. Am I allowed yes. to urinate on this? Am I allowed to come on this? Am I allowed to get blood on this? Right. Those are very how do important. I clean it? Yeah. Yes. So understand how things work, how to clean them, how to maintain them especially if you're borrowing them from somebody because you don't want to destroy somebody's really expensive gear and then kind of be beholden to repay them that money that goes. I know there are people who like to share bad dragon dildos or insertables. Make sure you understand the cleaning and for them. And also, Hey, what kind of lube should I use with this? And what kind of lube should I not use with this? So Having these discussions and taking care of other people's belongings is going to make your life a lot easier. It sounds really fundamental, but this happens more often than I would like to admit, where somebody's toy gets shredded, where somebody's kink gear gets stained or broken, and there's nothing you can do to fix it. You just kind of have to eat the cost and buy a new set, and it's really shitty for everybody. So... Take care of people's belongings. Take care of yourself. If you have your phone, put it on silent. I just put it on silent. You might be on call for work. Put it on silent. There is nothing less sexy than getting a phone call from your mother and looking over and it's your mother's face. Oh man, I've been with people who've actually taken calls from their parents while we were having oh, sex. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's not great. <laughs> Put your phone on silence. That vibrate sound is annoying. It make it pulls you out of the mood. 
Yeah, and hearing somebody like explain how they're at the library while your your dick is inside of them is like it's kind of adorable, but also like what the hell are you doing? Like I what did is your not life right now. <laughs> that that episode of Reading Rainbow was fucked up, dude. Like <laughs> what the fuck? Like poor, poor Lavar is just like butterfly at the sky, like he, he crying as the theme song is happening. Oh man, no. I made that boy fly twice as high. Believe me. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. Well, I'll take a look at that later. Um, so, <laughs> but don't just take my word for it. Da, da, da. Um, so put your phone on silence. Also, and here's here's my personal tip. So if you're using your phone to play like a playlist, put it on airplane mode. It'll probably still play the playlist. Just don't, don't put your phone in a position to where you're getting text messages and phone calls and whatnot that's going to break the mood. If you have a playlist, if you like to have sexy music while you have sex, have a dedicated sexy fun time playlist that you have. I have one of those. Yes, that's important to have. I believe I have shared this story of how I just put my iTunes accounts on shuffle when I was in college and the Pokemon theme song played. That's not the best. <laughs> I mean, I do want to be the very best. Um, Just Magico, please don't catch them all. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> oh God, it's a traveler. Um, no, it's um, yeah. So, so have a dedicated playlist or maybe no music. Um, you want to kind of take care of things that would be kind of distracting. Television, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the Netflix, maybe put it on pause. Because again, there's really nothing less sexy than like having, you know, in the middle of like having good, fun, sexy times looking up and it's like Golden Girls. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Don't pause it, turn off the display because some things will just get burned in your retinas. And if you're me, I just laugh and then the mood is gone. So turn off things that are distracting. If you have sexy music, I recommend music that's kind of smooth, minimal vocals. If there are vocals, make them ambient electronic works really well. I highly recommend ambient electronic. If you can, if you get into like EDM, I'd recommend trying ambient electronic. It's a really great, uh, it has a great nice BPM usually. And it's pretty kind of subdued. So at a low volume, it can be very good sexy time music. It's often what you hear being played at like uh, gay bathhouses, for example. So obviously they know what they're doing uh, in terms of playing background music for that sort of activity. So totally would recommend the ambient electronic. No Britney Spears remixes. No. (laughs) Um, I recommend jazz because I like jazz and I think jazz is kind of fun, but EDM works really well. Find what works for you. Find what you enjoy and find, you know, what you can. Ambient electronic and drum and bass both work pretty well, depending on your pace that you're going for. Yeah, for sure. So (laughs) find things that work for you. Make a dedicated playlist. Don't go to any other playlist when you're having sex. Make modifications yeah. after sex, like, but don't but, avoid the show tunes. Like, you know, just go for the go for the go for the stuff that's not going to be too distracting. Do not put Edith Piaf on when you're having sex. Like, La Vie en Rose is fabulous, but like, you're not fucking Betty Boop. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So, uh, and then I think I'll yeah. kick in with a few of the actual more. Uh, I suppose nitty gritty might be the wrong phrase to use here, but oh God. Um, the, 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 there's some preparation just etiquette wise that goes into things. This particular, if you are 
on the receiving end of penetration. And some of these are, I want to say, stereotypical. Like it's expected that you do this, and it's expected that you know the top of the penetrative partner does this. And there's nothing wrong with being extra prepared and doing things that the other roles traditionally is expected to have covered. So like if you're a bottom, doing things like having condoms and lube around is probably a good idea. But like for some reason, it's often considered like expected that the top is going to provide the condoms and the lube and that the bottom is going to just like provide themselves, I guess. So um, like if you're if you're a top uh, or a penetrative partner, Generally speaking, try to make sure you've got condoms and lube on you because it's often expected that you will be providing those. And if you are on the bottom side of things, there are certain preparation acts that are often expected of you as well. Some of these come down to personal preference. If you've got time, it's a good idea to ask your partner what their preferences are. But things like um, shaving around the area you're planning to have penetrated is often expected. Things like uh, douching or cleaning out beforehand, uh, often leaving enough preparation time to you know, be fully prepared to like douching out a half hour before your top is arriving over something like that. Things like that are recommended best practices for sexual etiquette reasons, because if you wait to do that stuff until your partner is there, there's kind of, it's kind of this awkward situation where like the top is laying in bed, reading a magazine for a half hour while you're in the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, it's really not the most sexy thing to have happen. So like, um, it's good to have that stuff done in advance because then you can kind of just be in the moment with your partner the entire time and not have a, be right back, aka I'll be back in thirty minutes after messily cleaning myself out. Like that's that's not the best. Like you know, like it's not the most like, arousing thing. So just try to get that stuff done in advance when you can, if you have the option of being prepared. Right. So here's something that I always oh, one more thing. Uh, t- keeping towels and tissues around is another thing. Bottoms are often expected to do. So like once you're done, once you're done with the act, being able to clean up afterwards by having like an activity towel or a set box of tissues or some some wet wipes or whatever you might need. Um, keep that stuff around. So if you have any spills or thrill uh, during your thrills, <laughs> that, that mess is ending up in your sheet, ending up in the, uh, in the washer or in, in the, in the trash. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good point to make. Um, so I wanted to talk about this with you because I, I this is a point that I sort of have as um, when it comes to condoms, um, so a lot of people um, will keep like a condom in their wallet. Um, and Not I, the best idea. Yeah. And I kind of, wanted, yeah, yeah, I wanted you to talk about that because you're way, way better versed at that. But yeah, I'm like, there are lots actually, of issues. Yeah. So I actually wrote an, like a really deep article on condoms and all the different types for my professional blog under my real name at uh, PH Dish, which I should probably link to at some point. But yeah, so condoms can be made of different materials. And the thing is that all of them have in common is they're designed to have a pore size that is small enough that the HIV um, particle can't get through the pore of the material. So basically, you need something with like a pore size that is smaller than like 100 nanometers, or you run into an issue where a lot of HIV virus particles can get through that pore. And if those particles can get through, that means you no longer have a condom that is HIV safe right and that's generally speaking aside from pregnancy the thing that most people are concerned about when they're wearing a condom is i don't want hiv getting through there and hiv being a virus has a small particle size much smaller than for example a bacterium would have by or like a few orders of magnitude or at least one order of magnitude generally so uh, like from going from like 100 nanometers up to like you know a lot larger sizes you're talking about a cell right a cell is a much bigger thing 
than a virus. The virus binds to a cell in order to get into it, right? So the point is, viruses are smaller than bacteria, like, for example, your chlamydia bacteria or your gonorrhea bacteria or something like that. Uh, my background happens to be microbiology, so this is something that I'm kind of passionate about, and it's fun to kind of think about the actual physical reasons why condoms need to, what they need to be able to accomplish in order to work. So you don't want that condom to ever have any pores that are bigger than 100 nanometers, right? The problem is, if you keep that condom in a wallet, you tend to create friction and pressure and heat. And all those things tend to enlarge the pore size of that condom by damaging it. So if you are enlarging that pore size to a size where it's no longer has a pore size small enough to keep out the HIV particles, you run the risk of that condom. Even if it looks like it's not ripped or it looks like, oh man, no no semen came through, like no cum came leaked out, like it's totally a safe condom, right? It's fine. But if you don't store that condom properly, you might actually be causing damage to the condom you can't see. And it only takes, I mean, granted, it's statistically unlikely, but you don't want to be, be in a situation where any virus particles are getting through that condom. So just make sure you're keeping your condoms intact by not mistreating them. And that means keeping them in a relatively cool, relatively dark place and away from friction and pressure and heat. Yeah. And one other thing that I'd like to recommend against, you know, why you shouldn't keep a condom in your wallet is condoms expire. Um <laughs> And that expiration tends to come from things like, uh, again, that gradual exposure to the environment over time, which enlarges the pore size. So again, even if like, oh, this expired condom looks like it's still fine. It's still fine to use. Well, it might look like it's still fine to use, but it might be more likely to break and it might be more likely to leak. Mm -hmm. So those are your issues, right? And sometimes condoms come pre-lubed and that lube can dry up and it can. So you just, just, if you're going to a con, if you are a sexually active individual, just have a box of condoms in your luggage. Like, uh, sure, Peggy from the CVS might give you a weird look, but like, guess what? Like, who cares about you, Peggy? Like, I'm get, I, I, I'm having sex. Like, I don't care. Like, what, what? Why are you being judgmental, Peggy? Like, come on. So, you know, and honestly, like, they see far worse things. Like, I mean shit like i've gone to cvs many times and just been like two boxes of condoms and a shit ton of enemas and i'm just like what's good peggy and not even blinking an eye so trust me they they see far crazier things than you buying some condoms and a little bit of lube they're just more like oh look at that a young person is being you know safe so good for you so Condoms, take care of your condoms. Make sure your condoms are up to date. Keep your condoms in a safe, protected way. Um, I jokingly used to keep a condom in a Game Boy cartridge case, and turns out that was actually a good idea because um, I was really kind of rough with like my belongings at that time, and that condom was A plus perfect. So um, don't be like me. Don't keep condoms in your wallets and expect them to work. I've had more condoms break on me than rubber bands. So not really that that's, 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 that's totally false, but that's fun to say. So, um, one thing that I do kind of want to move on to though is, um, so we've talked a little bit about ethical enthusiastic consent. We want to talk about communication. So you've prepped, you've douched, you've got a condom, your phone's on silent. You're listening to, I don't know, whatever EDM station you've got going on. It's good times. You're ready to go. You're having sex. You still have to talk. I know sex is like just lots of moans and grunts when you're watching porn, 
But sometimes if you look really close in those porns, you'll see that they have earpieces in and you're like, wow, a whole bunch of people that are in porn have hearing aids. No, that's not a hearing aid. That is a, a that is a hearing piece that's piped directly to the director that's telling them, you need to lift your leg this way. You need to shift positions this way. You don't have a director telling you how to have sex. You have each other. You are both co-directors and co-producers in this joint flick. Um, so sex is not going to be a game of grunting and squealing. It's not going to be just you making oh, noises the entire time. Sex is just a different way to have a conversation. It's an incredibly intimate conversation. So There's a lot of flow, right? Yeah. So if you're like in someone, you might be like, does that feel good? And ask for constructive feedback. I know it sounds really weird, but like maybe your partner likes it when you thrust long and deep and you do the deep thrusts, or maybe they like it shallow and fast. They want you to, you know, get in there jackhammer. Maybe they want you to go a little bit slower. Ask how things feel. Hey, does that feel nice? Do you want to try something else? Do you want to do like, you know, ask questions like, do you think this would feel nice? Do you want to try that? Do you want to try it on your stomach? Asking these questions and making the suggestions. And also like if, even though one person like, we'll, we'll talk in like gay relationships, you have a top, you have a bottom. Everybody assumes the top is the driver and the bottom is kind of the engine. I mean, if you want to go with that analogy, sure, fine, whatever. But both of you are the drivers. Both of you are in control. So if the bottom, if you are the bottom and you are just like, fuck, I don't, I'm this doggy style is great, but I really just want to be on my back for a bit. Say, we're not mind readers. Talk, be like, hey, can I flip over? Like, fuck me missionary style or, you know, whatever you want. Ask the questions. Ask if you want to try something new, something out there, something crazy. Like, I don't know. Whatever it is you want. Have that conversation. Ask these questions. And don't freak out if you get asked questions. That's another thing. Like, it kind of goes hand in hand. You, you don't get to ask questions and then freak out when somebody asks you something. Like, even if it's something new and something maybe you didn't talk about, Let's say you're in a long-term relationship and your partner in the middle of having sex is like, hey, honey, do you think you could maybe pee on me? Don't freak out and be like, oh my God, ew, gross, squick. No, that's a boner killer. Don't do that. Don't, if you, I had a partner um, who in the middle of sex one day was like, I want you to spank me. And I was just like, I haven't even thought about that. And I mean, I wasn't really into it. And I was like, Maybe we can do that next time. And we did. And he enjoyed it. And it was great for him and also for me because I was like, oh, wow, he's really enjoying himself. But if you freak out in the moment, you instill a sense of shame in your partner and they're going to be less likely to talk to you and it's going to build resentment. So talk and listen and don't freak out. If you don't want to do something, say no and say, no, I don't really want to spank you right now, but do you think maybe we could try this? And you can kind of, you know, you don't have to be super formal like I am right now. Maybe you're redirect. Not- don't and don't don't stop the flow, but redirecting flow is a good way of handling that. And that's kind of good sexual etiquette, right? It's redirect yeah. flow. Don't stop the flow if you can. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, you know, if you stop the flow, there's going to be a like a backup, and it's it's not going to be good. Like, it's it's going to be rough for everybody. So, go with the flow. Let let you know. If you don't want to do something, just kind of be like, no, and just 
let it be water off a duck's back, so to speak. Just kind of let it flow over you and be like, let's try something else. If you get told no, that's fine. Maybe a no now isn't a no forever. It might, it might just be like, if if my partner were to be like, hey, can I fuck you? I'd probably be like, no. Why? It's not because I don't want them to fuck me. It's probably because I didn't prepare for it. And it's just like, no. <laughs> like that. Or am I, I the wrong thing? Or am I just not feeling it? Or maybe emotionally I'm not in the right headspace? There's lots of reasons why you might not want to do something. But uh-huh. none of those are a referendum on you as a person. It's just you're just saying no to that particular activity. That's all you're saying. Yeah, right? exactly. And and the inverse of that, don't be mute. Like sex, we talk, we're talking a lot about books, Vero. And I'm not even joking. This was pre-written into the notes that I did. God damn it. Sex, you're not having it in the library, so you can talk. You're not going to get shh by the librarian. Like, Peggy, I had to mention the library before, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. And then I talked about LeVar Burton. And then, God damn it, we're, we're out reading Rainbow today for some God knows whatever reason. But having sex isn't the library. Make some goddamn noise. You can make some fucking noise about whatever you want, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what you would like to try. There are some people that feel embarrassed. Maybe you make moans and whippers and grunts and squeals and shrieks. Maybe you're a loudly. Embrace it. Now, if you are disturbing the neighbors in your hotel room and they ask you to quiet down, or it's like three in the morning, maybe you try to contain it. But, you know, don't... Again, we're not mind readers. Don't be mute. Don't 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 just assume that everybody knows everything about you. Like you might have an after dark, but like after dark doesn't count in the bed. Like that's a picture. This is real life. Like somebody jerked off to you in 2D, but guess what? This is 3D, baby. And by that, I mean there's three dicks. No, not really. I, I don't know where the third dick is. Um there there's there there's there's actual sex happening, not just you taking 30 pictures of your asshole and trying to find the one that's in the best lighting. This is this is real. It's happening live. You need to talk. If you stay mute, you're probably not going to be as satisfied as you want it to be. So Right. If you're if you're uncomfortable about communicating during sex, though, here's here's my tip: pre-negotiate. If you want to get in a good mindset, if you want to get in a good headspace, and you know that talking is going to pull you out of it, explain that. Just be like, during sex, I probably make a lot of noises, but I'm not going to be super communicative. So let's pre-negotiate what we do now, so that way when we get into it, we can just go with the flow. That's a good way to do it. Pre-negotiation. Also, it's enthusiastic consent. Look at that. Wow. Circle back to the top of the show. Um, so pre-negotiation, enthusiastic consent is a great way to keep your head in the zone and also to keep yourself safe and to keep everybody satisfied. So don't be mute. If you are going to talk, if you are going to sort of ask questions, don't be unnecessarily critical. Don't be mean. Like if somebody's giving you a blowjob, and they say, you know, they pull off and they're like, does that feel good? The answer is not my ex was better at this. The answer is never my ex was better at this. Unless you're in like a weird power dynamic relationship with tinges of Where humiliation. Humiliation and cockle. Yeah, right. Humiliation is okay. Right. Exactly. Right. Unless the humiliation, humiliation is a kink that you're totally down for and that your partner is down for. Don't humiliate your partner during sex. That's kind of an obvious thing I'd like to think. But it happens surprisingly often. I think. Maybe people just don't think about the effect of what they're saying on the other person. Because I, I don't think it's intentionally meant to be mean, but you have to think about how your words are going to affect the other person. If you tell them someone else is better at this than you, they aren't going to take that at all well during the middle of sex. That's a very emotionally vulnerable time to be criticizing someone. So 
don't be critical. I mean, you can definitely give them say like, "Hell, oh, actually, I really, I, I, that was really great, but I love it when my when my partner licks me like this." Like, you can totally again redirect, constructive, right? Constructive, constructive, but constructive, yeah, exactly. But you're not saying that was awful. You're not saying that so and so is way better at this. You're saying that was that I really enjoyed that. Why don't we try doing it this way? You know, that's a much right. That's a much help more. more reasonable way of, of communicating something that's respectful of their emotions and want be respectful of your partner's emotions during sex. I think yeah. that's very important. Yeah. Don't put people down during sex unless it's a pre-negotiated humiliation scene, in which case have fun. But indeed I do enjoy doing that, but I do it consensually. Exactly. But here's the thing. So like if you're getting a blowjob and they're using their teeth, the proper response is, Hey, could you watch the teeth a little bit? The incorrect response is while you suck at sucking. That is not what you want yep, to say. You exactly. Don't don't make people feel bad. Like sex is a point where we are pretty much at our most vulnerable, and we don't. Another thing you can yeah. about from your vocabulary is: "Is this your first time?" Oh. Never ask somebody, "Is this your first time?" Oh God! While no. they're doing something, yeah. No, I hate that question because, like, so what if it is? Like, everybody was a virgin at some point. Like, I mean, number sure. one, it's not a bad thing if it is. And number two, you don't want to shame somebody for it, especially if they aren't. Oh like, my that's God! Yes. Because, like, fuck you if you do yeah. that. <laughs> no, seriously, like fuck you if oh, is this your first time? I mean, it's your last time with me if that's the question you ask. <laughs> Holy Jesus Christ, like you just you just put the like that that is the that is the end show button, like the curtains have closed. Like <laughs> I, I'm out the door. Like I have my clothes. I can everywhere. take this elsewhere. Yeah. Like exactly. my people, I I hear a wail in the distance. I need to go save it. That's one of those what I call a disqualifying comment. There's certain things that they come out of someone's mouth that it becomes instantly disqualifying for me continuing with sex with them. That is one of those things. It actually did happen to me once where someone said, is this your first time doing this? And I was, this is a long time ago, but still it was like, it wasn't my first time. It was maybe my third time, yeah. but like, it's not a fun question to be asked, you know, like it's, I was not, I was like, yeah. that's, that really kind of ruined it for me. It ruined the scene. And so I just like, I was like, no, it's not, but I, I'm really not feeling this anymore. I think I'm going to go. Like I yeah. just left. Yeah. Like, you know, sorry, man. That's not, I'm not really sorry though. Like not sorry. Like, no, it's, it's, you don't want to shame people. Never shame, never shame somebody for like, some of us are just not that good at some things. Like, and that's fine. Like all some of us start out not being that great at some things. We get to be very good at them when they get experience. Like that's how most things work. Right. Very few people start out being like able to write symphonies or start out being able to code massive games or start out being able to do anything. But guess what? You learn those skills by practicing them and everyone starts out being bad at things. Oh, yes, so yes, yes. Don't, be, don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Especially sex. Cause like everybody's view of sex is like tinged by pornography and it's like, and porn, you just see people like grabbing like a bottom's ears. Like it's a steering wheel and just like power fucking their throat. And it's like, also don't do that. Um, but <laughs> that's and neither of us started out being amazing at it, but we, we I think both of us, I think have acquired some level of competence yeah. to the point where we actually feel good enough about it to advise others because we have experience and we like sharing our experience with other people because we like helping other people's sex life not suck as much as ours yeah. did at first. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, if somebody like in all fairness, if somebody were to be like, is this your first time do it? Like, I can understand like if it's like a kink scene, but that's something you ask ahead of time. Like if you're getting into something that's a little bit, well, I don't want to call it edge play, but something that's a little bit more French, a little bit more niche, you know, fisting. Hey, is this your first time being fisted? That is a great question to ask before you start fisting them. Yes. Not while you're doing <laughs> like, it. Like you don't want to be <laughs> elbow deep and then just like 
oh hey is this your first time it feels like <laughs> yeah you're really tight this is your, yeah no that's not no or like you're really you're really not you're really not you're not pushing back as much as my other partner does. Is this your first time? Like, man, that's not way to make that person feel super insecure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 a boner killer and a deal breaker right there. Like, that's that's like no, 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 no. So don't don't ask that question. It's a, in general, just don't compare partners during sex yes. ever, like at all. Just don't compare part. In fact, I can shorten that sentence even more to don't compare your sex partners to each other. But don't compare partners to each other during sex is kind of just like. Well, a 100% ironclad rule. Don't yeah. do it unless, unless for kink reasons, it's encouraged. Like again, because your partner is into humiliation. Yeah. But otherwise, just don't do it. I mean, I will say that like there are some ways you can do it. Like it's it's um, something that I sort of enjoy doing is I it's a post coital post mortem um, where after I have sex, I'd like to talk about like, hey, I really enjoyed this. Maybe we could try something else. You know, this wasn't that great for me. And like instead of it being like super judgy, like. We've kind of basked. We've kind of snuggled. It's good to talk about these things, especially if it's going to be with somebody that's a recurring partner. And something that's good to talk about is, you know, hey, you know, in the past, I've had boyfriends, I've had girlfriends, I've had partners who have done this, and I've really enjoyed that. Do you think that's something that we could do? That is a slight comparison, but that is not comparing skill level. That is skill. That is comparing actions. And that's completely fair. If you're, if your current partner doesn't want to do that, the comparison ends. You're just asking questions about things that you enjoy doing or have enjoyed having done to you. And it's completely fair to ask those questions, but don't do it in a negative way. Just don't compare partners in a negative fashion. Especially, Can I talk about that for a second? Oh, yes, Dr. go Coke? for it. I, yes. I, I'm very highly polyamorous. Yes, you know, yes, I've got yes. like six boyfriends, five or six any given moment, depending on how you count. <laughs> you know, I, I lose track sometimes myself. But, <laughs> but the point is, I have a lot of partners. And the thing is, you don't want to be, there are ways to compare them that are favorable, but, and that's fine. But generally speaking, during the act itself, comparisons are going to be distracting. So don't that's because you don't you don't take them out of the moment to be thinking about another person. You want to keep focused on you, people who are active in the scene, right? So don't that's not the right time. But if you do want to make a comparison during a post-coital, post-mortem, not post-mortem, but post-coitus, I guess, um, if you want to do that, that's cool. But then if you do compare partners, at least make sure that you're not making negative comparisons. So any comparison you make should reflect favorably on at least one partner and at most should reflect neutrally on the other partners. So you don't want to be making uh, praising one partner at another partner's expense, whether it's praising the person who you're with currently or praising the person who you aren't with currently. It shouldn't be at anyone else's expense because that then creates competition and resentment and is going to destabilize your other connections and maybe even destabilize the connection you're in with the person you're currently with. So Negative comparisons aren't great. So don't say, wow, your dick is way bigger than so-and-so's and you're way better in bed than so-and-so. Instead, say, man, I really appreciate how big you are. So-and-so is, you know, is this big, but you're, you're like, you're, you're, you really felt amazing in me, right? So in that situation, you're praising that person, but you aren't putting down the other person. You're merely referring to them. So-and-so is this size. I love how big you are right? You're not putting the other person down. You're still praising the person you're with, right? But there's no, there's no actual put down there. You're, you're clearly complimenting them on what is different about them that you appreciate, but there's no put down to the other partner going on, right? There's no element of humiliation there. Right. You're merely sticking to the facts of the situation. 
here's the fact. This person is this way. Here's the other fact. You are this way. I really like that you're that way. That's awesome. So you're basically, you're praising the person for what is unique about them without actually putting down what is different about your other partners, right? It's totally cool. And this is, I think, in polyamory, people are afraid of this, right? They're afraid to appreciate what is unique about their partners because they feel like if I'm polyamorous, I have to love everyone equally for exactly the same reasons. And that's absurd. You want If you loved everyone exactly the same for exactly the same reasons, why would you have more than one partner? You just love the one partner you had for the, those reasons and you'd be satisfied. That doesn't make any sense. If you love multiple people, it's generally because you appreciate what is unique about them, right? So what is if it's unique, that means, yeah, it's going to be different from what your other partner offers. But you don't have to put down your other partner for being a different person. That's silly. Just, hey, you're different than so-and-so. It's really cool. Your unique quality that you are you have a really big dick or, man, you have a really great bubble butt or, man, I love the way you smell or, man, I love X. Whatever it is about them that's amazing to you and that you love, compliment them for that. But you don't have to put anyone down to do that. You can mention that it's different and that it's unique and that your other partners don't offer it, but you should be putting them down, right? That's the difference. Yes. It's cool to make positive comparisons, but those comparisons should never put down your other partners. Exactly. You should always qualify those statements by, and I like that. I like that. That's good. I enjoy that. That satisfies me. This is great for me. You should never just kind of let a statement sort of hang out there like, wow, you're really a passionate lover. My other partner is a little bit more feral. Yeah, you want to give a little bit. At that point, it's, it's not. It's no longer clear what that you're appreciating them for. Yes. What's great about them, right? Yes. So, like at that point, man, you're really passionate. My other partners are, are really are amazing. Like, but you know, I often find my other partners are kind of subdued. You are really passionate in bed, and I love that. Yes, right? that's that's an okay comparison to make. That's not going to be making the, the person you're currently with feeling super insecure, and also. You're not putting down your other partners. Maybe you're with someone who is naturally just has a more subdued personality. When you're with them, you might be telling them the same thing. You know what? I really love when I, that when I'm with you. I can just be chill, and that the energy level is so chill, right? You can make the exact same compliment to them, but you're doing it the uh, in kind of the opposite way. My other partner is really active, and his energy level is really, really high. I feel like I have to be on with him all the time. I love how I can just be chill with you, yes. right? So you can be giving those two partners you're actually complimenting both of them for what's unique about them without putting down the other partner you're acknowledging a difference and saying i love that you're different because when i'm with you i can appreciate this when i'm with him i can appreciate that right that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but you make when you're making those comparisons you're going to be very careful not to make it a negative comparison right and because when you start making negative comparisons you start driving that resentment home. You want to avoid resentment and avoid causing or sowing the seeds of resentment, especially if you're in a polyamorous relationship, because as it turns out, resentment is kind of a relationship killer. So it is avoid. It's a silent killer of relationships. Yes, it is. Avoid. It's, it's awful. So in the heat of the moment, you might say things, you know, after you have sex, Sometimes if you say things that are maybe a little bit out of left field, maybe you explain them, go into detail. Like sometimes you might say things that might feel hurtful and, you know, it's good to sort of qualify them. It's good to sort of explain them away, but it's best practice to not say hurtful things or things that are negative in general. Um, one, one thing that, that I'll, I'll kind of give a pass for is sometimes during sex, people will call each other like, you know, yeah, you fucking slut. Yeah. Like, eat my, you know, things like that, that might be fun, but like definitely make sure that no feelings are hurt. Like, and on a similar uh, uh, note, people often during scene play will use terms like 
master, alpha, whatever, or it'll say things like I'm yours or like, you know, which, or I'm your slave or you can do anything to me or, and those things might apply within the moment, but you want to make sure that you're very clear on, hey, while we were doing X and Y, I said these things, just so you know, that was just sexy talk. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that scene with you, but that doesn't, those things don't carry forward beyond the scene, right? right? So if you do find yourself blurting out things you didn't actually mean during a scene, don't just awkwardly let them stand afterwards, actually go back and take them back, right? Because you, you don't want to have it be unclear to somebody what was role play and what was real, right? Yeah. Because during sex, the line between role play and reality can be very blurry. Oh, yes. So especially if there's DS involved. So if you're doing a DS scene, and you say a lot of things in the scene that don't actually apply to real life, then make sure you're taking those things back afterwards. This going back to the top of the show, this happens very often during cuck scenes where, you know, the cuck and the bull will go out for a beer afterwards and be like be like totally best buds, right? Like whereas during the scene, like the bull is putting down the cuck and saying all these horrible things and like this like the the hot wife is eating it up, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like having a good time. But that like oh man your your dick's so small I, I can't even stand to look at you like that that might be something that a, a bull says to a cuck while they're having sex right but those two guys might go out for a beer after the scene right so like the, my point is make sure that it's very clear what's fantasy and what is actual life because you don't want people's feelings getting hurt because they think something you said that was fantasy related was actual real life maybe that's you know a, a master who thinks that hey this person says I'm yours during sex. They, now I've got a boyfriend, right? They think that means now this person's my boyfriend. And then the next day they see you getting fucked and saying the same thing to somebody else. That person's going to feel like crap. So make sure it's clear to them that they know, hey, what I said was scene play. That was not real, right? Make sure they know that. Do not let people think things are real that aren't real because that will cause lots of hurt feelings. And that is really poor sexual etiquette, right? Yeah. Don't, don't let things stand that aren't you don't mean. If you don't mean it, don't let it stand after the scene is over with. And once everybody's come, tell them, hey, that was great while we were hot and heavy, but I'm going to, just so you know, I'm not that, I don't, I don't stand by the stuff that I said, right? Yeah, it's, you know, to kind of give like a weird pop culture spin on it. Um, so The Weakest Link is a game show. Um, it's currently going to the UK, but in the US, we had a version of it and the host was Ann Robinson and um, she was kind of viewed in America as being this horrible mean host and would ridicule and deride and put down every contestant. If they said something stupid, if they answered in a stupid way, they made a mistake. But at the end of every show, she would give the audience like the camera a wink. And that was her way of sort of saying like, this is a character that I put on for the duration of the show. And everybody that was on the show kind of understood some people that were watching weren't really clear on that. When it comes to sex, and this is often an issue during this is an issue during BDSM sex yes. play as well, right? Again, speaking of this, I know you have experience with this as well, but this is something that I experience a lot as a dom, and this is an issue for doms, I think, um, where they tend to get a bad rap as being abusive or as being jerks or being assholes. Because let's say that I'm in a group chat. This, this is something that actually happened to me the other day. So I'm actually in the group chat for MFF, that is the NSFW unofficial chat, one of the bigger ones, right? And a situation came up where somebody who I know and play with, and I'm in a, in a, in a kind of sexual relationship with, I suppose, um, was joking around with me. And they got in a situation where I basically was humiliating them a little bit, right? And this is something that obviously mm-hmm. is consensual and something that I know this person is into. Mm-hmm. But and people who know me know that I would never do, say, I, I would never say something like that if it wasn't consensual, right? right. right? 
But the thing is, does every person in that 1300 member chat room know no. or know this other person? No. And they don't. So what, what I'm saying probably looks like I'm being a jerk, right? It looks like I'm being a really mean person <laughs> in chat to someone. And if they don't know that we have an existing relationship, it just looks like I'm being an asshole, right? right. right? <laughs> but I'm not being an asshole because I know this person likes being humiliated. So they're getting off on it. It's something that they like. So I'm not being a jerk. I'm actually being very nice to this person by being mean to them. And that's the only context in which I'll ever be mean to somebody. I love being mean, but I'm only mean when I'm only mean when someone wants me to be, right? That's that and that's the difference. And that's the difference between something that's abusive and something that is consensual scene play. So make sure you know that what's happening right now is scene play and that this is a role I'm playing. When I'm that mean, when I'm that if I'm if I'm the bull and I'm saying really mean horrible things to the cuckold, it's not because I think the cuckold's a bad guy. I probably think I probably have a lot of respect for him because he takes care of someone who I love, right? I probably have a ton of respect for that person. But during a scene, I'm trying to get the people off in that scene, so I know it's going to arouse them. I'm going to say things that are arousing that I don't mean, right? Right? And it should be clear to everybody that I don't mean those things. Mm-hmm. And it's not clear at the end of the scene, make it clear. Exactly. Right. You want to make it clear. And that's really where afterplay, regardless of if it's BDSM, if there's any kind of DS aftercare for any kind of sexual activity is a really great idea. Like I know that some people, especially at a con, they're like, well, I came, I saw, I came, I'm out. See, like, I got to get to the dealers and pick up a badge. Bye. Bye. Yeah, bye, bye, <laughs> bye. Like, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to be a pump and dump. Like, it's, I mean, if that's the room that you're in where it's like basically glory hole scene style, then have fun. But like, if you're having sex with somebody and like you're both done having sex, it's good to kind of stay and sort of have some physical intimacy, cuddle for a bit, talk about how things went, go over these things, you know, make sure that. And if you can't do that, like maybe if, if it's a con experience, maybe you just do like, maybe you do need to just run and grab a badge or something at a con, but then. Hey, on the bus ride home after the con, text. Hey, had a great time with you Friday night. How did you think that went? Yeah. Right? Have that. Have that post coitus by text at least afterwards sometime. Yeah. Right? And like, if it if it's happening in a group setting and things kind of like, if you do kind of go that like humiliation, say like you you know you slut, you bitch, yaddy, whatever you know der- derisive terms that you might want to use when you're having sex, and there are other people around. You do sometimes have to explain yourself to everybody in the room after the fact to be like, no, that's totally consensual. And they're totally fine with that as long as I don't call them this. So if you're in a group setting and your words and your physical actions, like if you start spanking somebody or, you know, kind of forcing somebody into positions, sometimes you do have to give a pre-explanation or a post-explanation to people that you were not actively having sex with because and I that actually gets to, that gets into a consent issue as well uh-huh. Dr. I think you'll agree with me here where there is such a thing as bystander yes consent. and so if you're in a group setting and you're doing kinks that get might get, get into a kind of triggering or that situation or things that could be potentially triggering to other people in the room you get in a situation where you might not actually want to be as kinky as you might normally be because you're in a group setting where it says group group sex tends to be more vanilla yeah. than it needs to be because you, you, you can't ensure that everyone in the group is into all the same things necessarily. So you might, you might need to be a bit more vanilla than you would normally be when you're in a group setting. And that's because of bystander consent. You can't actually establish consent from everyone in the room pretty easily. Yes. So, so yeah. you need to stick to some pretty basic activities that everyone's going to be cool with for that reason. If you are having sex in a room with other people and it's kind of like a group activity where people are off in their corners and they're having their own fun time. If you're not sure that everybody's going to be okay with you being a little bit rougher 
either in language or in physical action with your partner who is okay with it, try to abstain from it. Or, you know, maybe ask beforehand. Like a lot of these rooms, a lot of these types of parties have telegram chats and you can always ask these questions then. So that way every... Or if things are getting hot and heavy with somebody and you realize, hey, I would like to do some harder camp with this person. Be like, hey, I'm having a lot of fun with you here in the room. Do you want to come back to my room where we can get out the paddles or get out the whatever? And There you you go. Then take it back and make it private and then you can get as kinky as you want. Or if you're really into the group setting, you can be like, hey, I'm going to take her back to my room and she's going to tie me up and she's going to beat the shit out of me. Who wants to come and watch? There you go. Congratulations. And now it's consensual. Ask those questions. Again, if you're in a group setting, ask the questions. If you're not sure, don't do it. You don't want to sort of put somebody in an awkward position as a bystander. And we talk about that actually getting linked back to a previous episode. That's part of dungeon rules being in effect, right? So don't jump into a scene that you're not part of and don't inflict the scene on somebody that they didn't sign up. Precisely. So if you're in a group setting and the rules are kind of like, we'll call them iffy, keep it vanilla. It's just better that way. And then move it to your room when you want to add a little bit of spice to it. So vanilla is still a very complex and delicious. It place. absolutely is. And Nothing wrong with vanilla. I like going back to vanilla a lot of the time. Uh, vanilla ice cream is my favorite. Vanilla World of Warcraft. It's all good. You know, people think that I'm actually a really like a super kinky dom, but I actually probably have a preference for vanilla. So, like, which no one really like gives me credit for, but it's actually kind of true. So there you go. <laughs> so, you know, if you have to leave the minute after you come, make sure that that's something that everybody kind of understands. Like, you don't want to be like. It goes into the idea of like false pretenses. Like if you're having sex with make your partner aware of how much time, how much time you have for them and how much time they can expect to get with you. If you're only going to give them two hours, don't let them think that you're spending the night. Right. Don't, don't imply that you are. And then, and then ditch. Right. Them. Cause that again is a shitty move. So don't do it that way. <laughs> um, if you're going to shower, this is kind of my tip. Like don't, I mean, don't have sex. And be like, okay, got a shower to get your stink off me. Like, don't do that. Like, cuddle for a little bit and then go and shower and hey if you feel comfortable maybe ask them to shower with you who knows maybe things get a little bit frisky maybe that's a great way to decompress to talk to each other to rub each other down it could be a great way to have some aftercare if things were a little bit hotter and heavier maybe a little bit kinkier you know a lot of things can happen in the shower it's it's fun so you know take a shower together but you know don't immediately jet off to be like okay got a shower because that's kind of rude. Um, now, there are certain cases I do know, like with um, some some girls, they do feel the need that they have to urinate after they have sex and there's a fluid transfer. Otherwise, the, um, they might get a UTI, which uh, does happen for, for some females. And if that's the case, then go for it. Like, make sure you're taking care of your physical health. Like, physical health comes kind of before physical comfort of the other. But kind of make sure that if that's something you know that you have to do, it's sometimes a good idea to pre-disclose it because otherwise it can get a little bit awkward in the moment. So, you know, just kind of do that. And if you do leave the room and you leave them there, like, let's say it's not at a con, let's say it's your, at your house and you're like, okay, I'm going to go get some water. Here's some good etiquette. Ask them if they want anything. Hey, I'm going to go grab Indeed. some water. Do you want something? Do you want some juice? Do you want some water? 
And it's a good thing to ask that kind of question before you get started, too. Basically, ask that before and after can I get you anything. It's a great thing to start out with, and it's a great thing to end with. It shows that you're being considerate, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a billion, billion, billion times percent there. So ask if they want anything. Hey, would anything make you feel more comfortable? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Do you want the fan on? Ask these things. It sounds really mundane, and I hate to sort of spoil it for you, but sex can be kind of mundane, but it's fabulous. And temperature preferences are actually kind of a big deal during sex. Like I like some people really like it to be cold so they can be under the covers. Some people like to be really hot so they can get real sweaty during sex. It really is a preference issue. So ask people what their preference is on that kind of thing and figure out if you can find a mutual kind of, kind of compromise on, on some of those things. And there are people out there, and I'm not pointing at anybody Vero, who like to keep their socks on. <laughs> Some people are turned off. It's a bad habit. Some people are turned off by that. Some people make fun of that. I'm not pointing any fingers at myself. I totally am. Um, I feel I feel bad because 90 percent of like anything that I see of you being sexy, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> but like, I mean, sometimes you need to wear socks because your feet get cold, and like that that could be a massive distraction, and that's totally fine. But like, you know. Maybe maybe that's something that you've explained because like that could be a little bit weird. For way to shame way to shame me for my circulation I am, issues, Matthew. Oh, oh don't <laughs> sorry. All my blood is flowing somewhere else during sex, so I don't have I I can't maintain it to my feet as well. That's how problem. can you maintain consciousness really when all of the blood is flowing from your head to your dick? Exactly. <laughs> now you understand me. <laughs> no, it is a real thing though. Like it's it's for people that do get like colder extremities, like Asking if the temperature can be adjusted is one thing. It's, I mean, if people wear socks when they have sex, don't shame them like I just did, Vero. Because, um, like, that can make people. You can shame me because he's my friend and because I'm not really susceptible to yeah. being shamed anymore. And also, so, I'm pretty sure I've teased you about that enough times that you know that. Yeah, like, we can tease each know. other. It's fine. It's totally so, I mean, cool. But, um, yeah, but like, I, I actually prefer it warmer. And some people, like, I like it warm during sex. I, I do have to get cold from me sometimes. And, so, yeah. But I'm the opposite. Some people prefer it colder, and that's that's cool too. I, you know, I am like Mother Russia, Siberia. Like, send me to the gulag and eat my ass out. Like, um, <laughs> I got some goulash for no god. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, that's horrible. No, like I am very much so. Like in general, I like things cold. Like I'm burning up right now recording this because um, my windows aren't open and it's like below freezing outside. And as soon as we're done recording, those windows go open and people can't stand being around me. It's the winter time here. Well, it's late, late autumn here and people hate me for it because I'm just like, open up the windows and let the fresh air in. And people are like, it is snowing outside. You fucking lunatic. And I'm just like, wonderful. <laughs> snow in the room. I am, I'm Elsa, which I, I think it's what it boils down to. I think that's her name from, from the frozen movie. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. You're right. So no, um, <laughs> so no, it's, it's temperature questions, fan questions, environmental questions are good. Do you want the lights on or off? Some people have preferences. So, you know, just, just be mindful of that. And also, Hey, clean your room before you have sex. If you can declutter it, take your laundry off of your bed if you have an animal, if you have a pet cat, if you have a pet dog, do yourself a favor. Do not let the dog in the room when you're having sex. Do not let your cat in the room when you're having sex because they will find a way to disrupt it. Indeed. You know, and, and again, interactive media, TV, 
radio stations, podcasts. Please don't listen to us if you're having sex, but if you do, let me know because I want to know how that goes for you. That would be, I, yeah, don't do that during, do it yeah. before. But like, <laughs> you know, have, 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 have these questions, answer these questions, make sure that everybody's on the same page. Make sure that the room, it doesn't have to be immaculate. Like you don't need to walk into like, you know, the fucking, you know, daddy Warbucks's mansion when they walk into your bedroom and it's like, wow, it's so clean. No, just make sure you don't have your crusty, dusty underwear on the bed. Like, you know, a little bit of, you know, I mean, I don't make my bed, but like I keep my laundry off of it. So, you know, just general so feng shui is important during sex basically you know like try to try to make the room a little bit uh, a little bit aesthetic so that people can focus on what's actually important during sex which is each other and not on the pile of clothing or the, the weird number of shoes that you have or any other number of things the right? massive poster of david bowie that i have from labyrinth where it's just his fucking bulge please don't focus on that or do and tell me we can talk about it have you heard about the babe um no so you know just kind of think about these things it's you know obviously some things are very basic you know don't try something without asking like hi gentlemen that like having sex with ladies here's here's a hot tip everybody knows you're lying when you say oh i didn't know it was going in your butthole i thought that was nope we know everybody knows i'm a gay man and i know you're lying i can i can smell your bullshit a mile away there is no and I'm I'm by and I, I can tell you there's a very big difference. And if you can't tell the difference, you need that's what? Yeah. No. Nope. No one's believing yeah, you. So no. Sorry. Nobody believes your bullshit. So like ask before you try it. Yeah. You need to know, yeah, you need to know that that's okay uh-huh. to do before you do Because like here's the deal. Like a lot of girls that I talk to are actually pretty okay with anal. They just want to be prepared for it. They don't want it to be like, oops, I didn't mean. Don't try to finagle your way. Don't be like, oh, just the tip, baby. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. No, ma'am. Do not pass go. No. So don't try to finagle your way. If you're told no, don't do it. If you don't ask, don't try it. Ask before you buy it. Like, come on. It's basic fucking consent. You, you, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this and we've spent 70 minutes of it talking about consent. You should know that by now. So, you know, <laughs> ask before you try something, especially if it's something that can be painful or uncomfortable or in some way, potentially emotionally triggering, you know, don't immediately turn it into like a choke pseudo rape scene without like, you know, negotiation, power consent. Like we'll be, I, I will be like, when I die, just fucking stuff my body up as an animatronic and I'll be the fucking consent cheerleader. Like, fuck it. Cause like, that's really what I'm all about. So, you know, get that consent. These are basic sort of things that you can do. These are 101, you know, etiquette 101 for sex. And a lot of this, again, it sounds like basic common sense, but here's the deal. When you're in the heat of the fucking moment, you don't think about this shit. Trust me. So it's good to think about this ahead of time to sort of put it into your mind, plant it as a seed. And when you're ready to spill your seed, this one blossoms and you're like, oh, wait, I should probably ask before I come on her back and then slap a fucking blanket on it so I can Superman that hoe. No, yeah, you should ask. Good job. You thought about asking for consent. Good job. You didn't Superman that hoe. So, consent, cleanliness, making sure that 
If your partner doesn't want you to smell like a musky husky, you take a shower before you have sex. Or if they do want you to smell like a musky husky, ask before you shower. In fact, it's actually a good thing to ask if you're someone with someone who might actually be into that. It's like, hey, will you let me to shower first? Some people prefer Shit, not. Some prefer you do. Put that in the notes. God damn it, Vero. Vero, put it in the notes. Because I didn't think... We should totally put that in the notes. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So like things like personal hygiene. Oh yeah, BT dubs. Clip your fingernails. If you're going to put your fingers in another person's body, clip the fingernails. Like, I know there's a lot of like 90s, like, we'll call it lipstick lesbian porn, where it's like girls with like harsh acrylic fingernails fingering each other. No, don't do that. Keep your fingernails nice and trim, nice and clean. You want them to be maybe, you know, trimmed to a safe length because, and if you're like me, I bite my fingernails. Like, don't do that. Like, it's a bad thing, um, especially if you're going to finger somebody, because congratulations, your fingernails are, like, rough and jagged, and it's going to hurt. So, but yeah, like, hygiene questions, like, you know, should I shower first? Should I wear deodorant or not? Should I, would like, you know, pubic hair, like, would you like me to trim? Would you prefer that I not? Any of those types of questions. Sometimes you actually, like, you know, if it's just someone you're hooking up with, you're probably not going to change your trimming preferences based on their yeah, preference, yeah. right? For things that you can... For things that you can change, like for a few hours, those things you can change for that person. There's some that would, you know, you, that would change you for a while. You might say, you know what, I, I understand you prefer X, but I'm not willing to do that because mm-hmm. I, I prefer Y. Yeah. You know, that, those, that's a reasonable thing to say. But if it's something that you could easily ad- adapt yeah. momentarily for someone else, you might want to consider doing some of those things. Like, like for example, if somebody's really into musk, maybe you don't shower first. If someone isn't into that, if they're actually really into clean smells. Maybe you make sure you do shower first. And if you don't normally wear deodorant, maybe you do wear deodorant, right? So it can go either way. But make, but ask what the preference mm-hmm. is, right? Because that way you're being conscientious. Yeah. And also, here's just a personal preference of mine. And this is something that I always like when somebody asks me, do I like incense or like room fragrance or anything like that? Because some people are allergic to those things. So if you're with somebody new, you might ask them, hey, do you have any allergies? I like to burn incense when I have sex. If they say no, that makes me vomit. Isn't it nice that you ask that question? So asking questions like health concerns, things like that, you know, it can sometimes seem a little bit like, why am I doing this? But it can save you a lot of hassle if like they stop being able to breathe because you put perfume in the air and they're allergic to it and their throat has swollen up. Congratulations. I hope you have an overpriced EpiPen. Thank you, America. (laughs) So ask questions. Indeed. Think about things that you like. Think about things the way that you like them. Ask those questions to your potential partners. Hey, is it okay if we do this? Hey, is it okay if we do that? Enter into those conversations and just remember above all else, this is all super academic and we've tried to keep it fun and lighthearted by telling poop jokes. Um, Sex is meant to be fun. Like again, we can come off sometimes as being a little bit academic and this can seem a little bit theoretical, but again, by thinking about this before you start having sex or before the next time you have sex, it's going to be something that you're going to have in the back of the mind. And the more you put it into practice and the more you think about it and the more you practice it, the easier it's going to come to your, like, it's going to, it's just going to come and you'll find it a lot easier and a lot more satisfying when you have sexual encounters with other people, especially for the first time. So sexual etiquette, one oh one, ask questions, get consents.
and you know i hate to say it but like treat other people like you want to be fucking treated and as it turns out when we're having sex we want to be treated like you know competent functioning adults (laughs) so um do you have anything else that you might want to add vero or I think we might move on to our question, actually. We're, we're coming up on two hours almost yeah. already. You know, I've been having so much fun talking about this. Goddamn. Like, I know. It's been a great topic, actually. We've had a really nice conversation. But we do have a really interesting question. Um, it's This question came to us uh, via email, um, our feedback form on our website. And uh, they write as follows. Um, their subject, my mate and I are at a crossroads, and there's nothing I can do about it. Hello again, Feral Attraction. You might remember back from you might remember me from back when I was writing about wanting an open relationship with my closed partner. That was episode forty-four. We found a happy resolution for a bit, but he was constantly reminding me of what we decided. In essence, guilt tripping me. Eventually, I came to the conclusion that perhaps this isn't the kind of relationship I want, and that maybe perhaps a mixed or polyamorous relationship would be something I'd want to try. We have been having arguments consistently once every few days. The little things he does makes me flare up at him. I think the months of guilt tripping on more than one front and lack of discern for my needs has made me bitter, and I don't even think I feel anything for this individual anymore, which is a hard thing to say, as I think in general the last two and a half years have been a great part of my life. However, there's one other thing preventing me from ending the relationship. Back in June, I was prevented from accessing the internet for two or three months. Uh, This was because my parents found unscrupulous pictures between myself and a close longtime friend. They threatened police involvement, and this really impacted both my intimate relationship and all of my friendships. It was a very tough time for me as I was essentially isolated for the summer. Since June, I have been prohibited access to the internet except to talk to my mate. Of course, I wouldn't be sending this if I abided by that. If I break up with my mate, I won't have any reason to go online to talk to him. We'd have to pretend to be a couple, which would tear him up even more. If it was found out that I'm online, I'd be pulled from my senior year of high school for homeschooling, and I'd likely be offline for a year. So, TLDR, I'm unhappy in my relationship. I felt restricted, and when I haven't, I felt punished for wanting more than one partner. I can't escape this relationship because of technicalities that would affect 95% of my social life. I am stuck, it is affecting me emotionally, and the only thing keeping me floating is the friends that my parents don't want me to have. Um, They think that they're sex-driven strangers and pedophiles. Is there anything you can recommend? Thanks again. I've got to catch up, though. It's been too long. Bureau. So I think, you know, this is one of those situations that's really unfortunate, but if the relationship isn't really... uh, I mean, isn't really working out for you. You can't be using this person to go online. Unfortunately, that's just asking a bit much of someone. And unfortunately, it sounds like this relationship isn't working out. The, the, inter- the internet access thing needs to be a separate issue, and you can't be mixing those two things together. They're unfortunately very, very separate issues. And you can't be leading someone on or using someone but as a means of getting access to the internet. That's just not, there's no way to make that moral or ethical, unfortunately. It's just, it's going to hurt the other person. And that's just not something that you can do. Um, so if you need to break it off with this person because you're not feeling any longer, you need to break it off with this person. And whether that costs you your internet access or not, that might just be a consequence that you need to incur. You can't be using this person just because your consequences for you are a little bit steep. That's unfortunately not this person's problem. <laughs> so 
you need to just deal with that. And if, I, if you need to find another way to get internet access, that's on you to be resourceful. It's not on this person to take a hit for you when you are no longer wanting to invest in them as a partner. They don't owe you anything and they don't need to be doing this for you. So you can't really reasonably ask them to do that. You need to be finding another way of finding a way to get internet access that isn't involving your partner if that's no longer someone you want to be your partner. Do you have another take on that metric or is that kind of your thought? That's as well? my thought. It's I really don't have anything to add to that. It's um like I, I will say that judging a relationship based off of the amount of time that it's made you happy versus the time where you're consistently unhappy and it's no longer fulfilling or beneficial for the both of you. I think that's kind of unfair to both of you because people can be in relationships for decades and then the relationship no longer works. It becomes unstable. And by staying in a relationship out of some feeling of obligation, that just drives resentment more. And in this case, the relationship isn't working for you. And by keeping him in the relationship, especially for an ulterior motive of having access to the internet. I mean, it's, it's, that's using him on top of, you know, kind of keeping a relationship on life support. So I agree. It's kind of up to you to find alternate means, which is unfortunate for 95% of your social life, as you said, and that does suck, but Unfortunately, and as we've said on many episodes previous, when you live under your parents' roof, you do have to kind of abide by their rules, especially if you are a minor. And it could be kind it can lead you to these types of situations, which are kind of shitty. Um, I, I would say in your parents' defense, they're probably acting in what seems to be your best interest. Um, I would say in their defense that, you know, there's a lot of people that you're talking to that they don't know, and that probably alarms them and scares them. And there's not really a good way for you to kind of assuage their 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 concerns. Now, that said, I'm going to give some advice that might be a little bit controversial, but I'm just going to mention that you have to be able to buy Amazon Kindle 7 Inches this holiday season for, I think, $30. And I'm pretty sure those have a browser and can install Twitter and Telegram and a few other apps that are sometimes useful. So if you have an extra $30 lying around, you might just want to go out and get a Kindle this holiday season. And maybe you use that when you're at Starbucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely an option. It's, um, I, I would think, I think that's the Kindle fire that has that. Yeah. And they're, they're like, indeed. Yeah. The, the Kindle fire seven inches. I think we can get them with a little $30 yeah. this holiday season. They're pretty, they're very cheap and they, they, they're, it's an Android. Tablet, yeah. One of my right? coworkers I mean, has one. It's not a fast. Yeah. And he plays games on it all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I mean, they're. But 30 to $50. I mean, I know as a, someone who maybe doesn't have a drone source of income, that's still a lot of money, but it's a reasonable amount of money to scrounge up from somewhere. And that might be your solution. At least I, I know it's no fun to lie to your parents, but I kind of view internet access as being something close to a human right these days. So I totally emphasize with the need to be able to get on the internet and that might be a way to do it that doesn't involve this, your partner in, or your ex-partner in this really kind of messy emotional play just to get on the internet. That's, just, that's kind of a messed yeah, up thing. It's, to be doing, it's, so. You don't want to put somebody else's feelings and emotions 
kind of in the crosshairs of you having internet access. It's if anything, this is on you to do. And by using somebody else, that's incredibly unethical. And that's really not something that I can advocate for. If you're going to take risks, the only person that should have collateral damage is yourself. There should be no other. I mean, in that case, and the risk you might take is hiding the fact that you own a seven inch Kindle device from your, your parents and using that at Starbucks. Right. But at that, at that point, you are risking your parents' ire and punishment, and you're not risking your partner's emotions, right? That's not really fair. So, to you know, about. weigh your weigh the risks and rewards. It's you know, think about how. What what I always ask people is, what do you want to get out of this action? In this case, having internet access, and how badly do you want it? And then, do you think that it will make your overall life better? And when you think about that, you have to think about it in the context of a relationship. You're not going to be happy in this relationship because you continue to have these issues. You keep having these arguments and you're, you find the relationship untenable. So this isn't the, it is a solution. Sure. But it is not the ethical sustainable solution. So I would urge you to look elsewhere and it can suck in the short run, but you have to think about the long run in general. And in the long run, it's better for you to be happy with who you are as a person. And while that might mean that you miss out on a large chunk of your social circle, which is incredibly unfortunate, and it's something that I can identify with, and it sucks a lot, you don't want to kind of purchase that at the expense of somebody else's feelings. That's just not it's that's that's the path of a sociopath so i would avoid that at full cost and i'm not calling you a sociopath um for the record i'm saying that that's what a sociopath would do with reckless abandon the fact that you're questioning it is good like pat yourself on the back for asking before doing the answer is no find another way (laughs) so um it does sound like you need to find another partner. And maybe that's something that you do when you are, you know, in a little bit more of a free position outside of the confines of your parents' roof. We're going to go ahead and close the show out there. So Vero spoiled it at the top of the show, but next week we're going to do an all question show. It is volume eight of our all question show. Um, There are reasons for this one. We have a backlog of questions Two, MFF Vero. You're going to MFF, right? Indeed. Not only am I going to be at MFF, we have a couple of events that I would like to announce. Um, Two things. First off, we have a panel which is our Open and Polyamorous Furry Relationships 101 panel. And that will be taking place Saturday from 10 p.m. to some random time, close to midnight probably, uh, but kind of whenever questions peter out. And that will be in the Midway Room at MFF. And if you'd like for full information on that, you can visit shed.io at s-c-h-e-d.co, sorry, shed.co slash c-w-i-b. And we will have that link in our show notes as well. Uh, We have a second event as well, which is somewhat less official, but we are having uh, a Feral Trapped and Presents type underwear party, which I am hosting on Sunday at dusk. We are doing it as a dead dog after dark. The idea being that people tend not to host parties on Sunday because a lot of people leave. It's just not a good, it's not generally party central. So of course, that's when I put my party because I'm trying to fill a niche that needs to be filled. I like filling niches, I guess. Um, 
but there will be an underwear party and it's kind of ideas mostly for people who are fans of the show it's the uh, the rules of the, the party are based on our show notes for our sex party episode so basically dungeon rules are in effect and i'll be there to moderate and stuff like that so it should be a fun time uh the way you get into the party is to be in the group chat for the party that is your ticket to get in so if you would like to be going to that and you're hearing this episode right now that's going to be on sunday so um ping me in telegram at fear or get me in touch with me some way if you'd like to get an invite and you don't have one otherwise we have the link posted in our telegram group chats and stuff like that so you can get it that way but it's mostly for fans of the show some random friends of uh of mine and of other hosts and stuff like that but it should be a good group of people and uh it's a very it's gonna be very one thing i will mention though it's gonna be very body positive and uh, gender expression positive so if you are someone who gets squicked by seeing uh, kind of body sizes or shapes or by seeing genitals that are not of your preference and you don't want to be exposed to those it might not be the party for you because we're not going to exclude other people just because you are squicked. That's not fair to them. So that's on you. If you're the type of person who can't handle that, then you can't be at this party um, just because this party is going to be positive for those things, but it'll be a fun time. So definitely show up to that if you can. Also, if you happen to have a suite or a large venue at MFF that you'd like to offer to host the party, that would be awesome because currently we've got a lot of people committed to coming and we have not a whole lot of space to host in. So that is a problem we are still working on solving at the moment, but it should be a good time either way. It just might be a, a very cozy party if we don't uh, resolve that particular issue. So if you happen to have extra venue space, you'd like to toss in for this party at MFF and you'd like to offer that as a donation to the podcast, please get in touch with Vero by Sunday. Thank you. There again, the public service <laughs> announcement. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to go to the underwear party, definitely do that. Again, I'm not at MFF, so when we say we... Um, that's Vero referring to himself in the royal we because he's just so Indeed. damn excited about yeah. the royal wedding. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't go to enough cons together. Usually, it's like one or the other of us. Unfortunately, like that's just the way it works out being on opposite coasts right now. But ideally, we will show up to the same con again and eventually. Like the seventh trumpet shall like rain from like shall echo from the sky. <laughs> the portal to hell will open up, and I'm at BLFC. Um, no. <laughs> So yeah, that will eventually happen. I promise. Like we're making plans, but schedules are stupid, unfortunately, but there will be more events where we are at them at the same time. And, uh, Oh God, it's just going to be pure pandemonium. Um, So again, MFF is happening next week. Also next week are all questions show. If you have questions, we do have plenty of questions, but if you have questions that, you would like to be tossed in for consideration. Hit us up. If you have feedback about our show, if you have sexual etiquette tips that you think we did not cover or covered poorly, you want to offer your own advice, contact page, feralattraction.com contact anonymous ways to contact us. You can shoot us messages on telegram on the Twitter, many ways you can call us and leave a voicemail and we will put it on the show. I guarantee you we have done it before and we will do it again. Not ashamed to do it. Put your voice on the show. So there are other ways you can help support us. Um, Ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever platform really you use to listen to our show. Follow us on Twitter. Retweet our little quips that Vero puts up. Pieces of micro advice, micro articles. Like, really, I think like Vero is, I mean, he's here and I'm just going to talk about him like he isn't here. Um, 
think Vero's like a macro fetishist because he's super into like micro articles and he has like one macro article and it's like, hmm. 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 But we, but you know, our telegram, uh, rather our Twitter is a great way. If you want to share content with people in a bite sized soupçon, if you will, it's a great way to sort of be like, Hey, look, these guys like, are weird and crazy, but sometimes they say like cool shit, or maybe you disagree with your shit and you want to organize a lunch mob that happens too. And I just kind of shove my phone away, <laughs> turn, turn notifications off for a bit. I'm just like, uh Oh, <laughs> that said oh, message. What did you do? <laughs> but no. I know. but it can be a great way to get into touch with us as well and to monitor our content or if you happen to have a few you know some some extra money laying around some twos and fews if you will we have a patreon and you can become a patron of ours and it's a great way to sort of help us um, get more content again we don't pull shit out of our ass like when we talk about things like cuckolding like we did at the top of the show a lot of research goes into that we have to read a lot of books knowledge costs money and we 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 can we can research on our own coin but it does help us to have a little bit of a safety net just in case we have to make and it sure is nice to have 150 miniature sized candy bars and a whole lot of rum and vodka at our underwear party too it's funny how, you know, we have a budget to pay for things like that to make our parties really fun because we have Patreon money that allowed, allows us to do fun stuff to promote our show. So it's a lot of good, so, a good time for everybody. You can become a patron of ours. We have different tiers. We are going to be adding new things to it possibly in the new year. It's We do have a Discord now that has like Patreon bonuses. Like you get labeled as a patron, like hooray, which is really cool for some people, but we're looking into adding new fun and exciting things right now. Shout outs at the end of every show is a thing. If we're at a con and you're at the con, you can hang out with us. You can compel us with the power of coin to hang out with you. And and you're not really compelling us because we really do want to hang out with everybody that we can, because conventions are meant to be a fun time, not only to meet people, but to just have amazing experiences. But this is a way because let's face it, Vero, you, you keep a busy schedule at conventions, this is to be perfectly frank. You have to hound me if you want this to happen because I do keep a very busy schedule at conventions. I absolutely will do it, but like you can't be like, oh, Zero, it'd be really nice to do this and then never say anything again because it won't happen. And you'd be like, hey, Zero, at this time, show up to do so and so for 10 minutes and we'll grab a coffee and it'll be fun. That I will actually be able to do. But don't just be like, hey, it'd be kind of cool if this eventually happened because then it's not I've... going to happen. I apologize for that. I mean, that's just the way it works. Talk. Like <laughs> I've been at conventions with Vero and it's like, even for me. And it's like, I know where you're sleeping, bitch. It's hell for me to track him down. I'm like, where the fuck are you? Like, I'm like Freddy Krueger. I'm like, I'm coming to get you, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> me with like yeah, a fursuit exactly. head just walking around. Have you seen this person's owner? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's, it's don't worry. It's definitely, not a you thing it's vero is incredibly busy but and i am too at conventions but like shoot us a message if you're a patron of ours please we want to hang out with you we want we want to meet people because like when we record the show we're basically talking at computer screens and looking at each other and we're howling into the void so it's nice to put faces behind names and people um as i mentioned earlier we do shout outs sorry i meant to start a howl god damn it Oh, I got to wait for it to finish. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, so okay. at the end of every show, we do shout outs um, for our patrons that want shout outs. And I'm totally fine with doing that because I think it's a great way to promote other furry art and podcasts and YouTubes and fundraisers. And so, because we really are a community that, that does our best at supporting each other. And this is a great way that we're able to contribute back to the people that contribute to us. So snares is one such patron of ours. Um, snares is an amazing artist. He does lots of live streams. If you're up late at night um, to catch him, um, I, he's over in Singapore, I believe. And I've caught a few because I keep weird hours myself and a lot of fun, a lot of amazing music, but he has a Patreon of his own patreon.com slash snares, which is a one stop site for you to get commissions, artist information to view his comic, all sorts of good shit. Go to his Patreon, become a patron of his. If you are into like TF muscle furs, like hyper phallics awesomeness, it's a great place to go. And even if you're not into that, his art is colorful and vibrant. And I mean, I'm not into that, but I love watching his art and love seeing his art because it's, it's fucking gorgeous. So snares, go to his Patreon snares, patreon.com slash snares. You know, fear and I, we're both writers. We both love the written word. And Zar Paulus is an author within the fandom. He has published with uh, the Thurston Hell Press, a short novel titled The Pride of Pure Humans. You can check it out at Amazon or go to his own Patreon, patreon.com slash for more information. If you're a fan of sci-fi, kind of futurism, you'd probably be interested in his Imperium universe, paraimperium.wordpress.com for more information on that as well. Miss Hyde is another patron of ours. Uh, Miss Hyde participated earlier in the year in a fundraising project that fell a little bit short of the fundraising goal. And we really want to get that fundraising to the limit. Um, she participated in a streak for tigers where she r- raised money by streaking around the London zoo. And I'm sorry, that's just amazing to me. She got in body paint, made a tiger kind of fursuit head and ran around just having a good time. Please, please, please. If you have some extra money and you want to donate to saving the natural habitat of tigers, which are incredibly vulnerable, please consider donating to her charity page, which is at justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Hannah Conda. Um, you can also reach out to her on Twitter for more information. Her Twitter handle is at Hanaconda Sparks altogether. It's like Anaconda, but with a H in front of it. Hanaconda Sparks. Or maybe you're looking for a new YouTube channel. Maybe you're looking for a new friend on Twitter. Maybe you're looking for a walk on the fluffier, geekier side of life. Myron the Fluffy is there for you. You can follow Myron at Myron the Fluffy on Twitter for kind of pictures, daily red panda dog ramblings, or you can go to his YouTube channel, which discusses the fandom. And that is at Myron the Red Samanda. Again, there's a lot of links and a lot of slashes. All of this is in our show notes, which are linked on our website and in every show that we post. Please, 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 if you want to contribute, if you want to give, if you want to support our fellow artists, go to our show notes. At the bottom of every show notes page, you will find links to everything we talk about. It's going to do it for this week, though. I'm going to let Vero go. It's a busy birthday day for him. We've been here for two hours. It's been a fun time, Vero. I always enjoy doing the show with you. 
Yeah, this is a great conversation. I had a really good time this week. always a fun time with you. So I'm glad that, you know, we got to do this again. We took last week off because of Thanksgiving obligations, but we're going to be back next week after MFF with our All Questions Show Volume 8. Until then, I'm Metrico. And I'm Vera the Science Valley. Thank you.